Hey, who's clicking? That's me. That's well, me. I'm actually going to walk down the truth or consequences and blow the dam near your house <laughs> so that you're under <laughs> two feet of water. That's so fucked. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that dam's busted. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, isn't it an earthen dam, though? How is it just bust <laughs> randomly? No, it's... Uh, I'll send you a pic. Sam, what you busted in the bed, busting. Foul. Yeah, but fair. It was back in like 1918 or something. Back when the the Great War ended. (laughs) (laughs) I remember 1890. There was a U-boat in the reservoir. (laughs) No. Somehow traveled there. Hey, Hey, it could fit one. It's quite large. Oh, is it? Don't ask me why I look at photos of the uh, terrain near your house, Ezra. (laughs) Why did he Google map the distance between the dam and my house? (laughs) And the elevation? (laughs) Why is he looking up cheap drones on AliExpress? (laughs) (laughs) Are we still waiting? I do in... I do, in fact, live downstream of the dam. So. Oh, I know you do. The entirety of Truth or Consequences, New mm-hmm. Mexico, lives That's, downstream. Why would, why would y'all dam. move somewhere like that? Yeah, that's Don't a good question. Me. You used to be Canadian, right? Yeah, I miss New... Well, I I specifically miss New York. Wait, so New York's not in, Canada. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not Canadian. You're still a little some Yankee. Sorry, Greg. No, I, I, I grew up in... In New York. I'm a Midwestern. Damn it. The beard's looking nice. I, I did. Oh, it's fucking time. Holy <laughs> shit. Jack. Sorry about that. I know. I had to like switch over to my computer because this ancient fucking iPad doesn't want to. Well, because your ancient ass from. iPad. It's because your thing. ancient ass iPad didn't want to work. You missed like good little segments. That would have been great icebreakers. Jack, uh, from oh, where shit. are you joining us tonight? <laughs> from where am I joining you? I am in. I'm actually at my uh, uh, workbench no, no tonight. No juice atrium. Um, no juice atrium, but I could bring the uh, the chairs in, make it all comfy. I actually moved a bed down here so I could sleep down here if I wanted to. As <laughs> He's well. in the uh... He's sleep next to his extra. <laughs> That doesn't seem safe. It's like a, it's like a meter away. <laughs> it's, it's your air freshener. <laughs> What's a meter? Yeah, exactly. Three feet. A meter. <laughs> Shut the oh. fuck up. See, I understand. It's not three feet. It is not three feet. Did we all do our? Uh, no, we've been waiting intros? for you. Oh, okay. Am I the first intro? Uh, well, I'm not not you are listening to. Uh, whatever. Have we started? <laughs> oh, oh, we have, we have now. And on that confused yeah. note, you are listening to the Micro Machines podcast. And this week for our special, we're recording on New Year. I know, Callum, this is probably, what, January 2nd for you, but for the rest of us, yes. it's uh, January 1st. So, uh, Happy New Year's from us, happy the Micro Machines Year. podcast. And if you happy live New in New Zealand, happy, New uh, happy work day. Uh, it's not a work day. I am back <laughs> at work on the 9th. We actually have like a proper summer holiday where we get like three weeks off work, fully paid. So, you know. Someone mute. Hey, can someone mute uh, Calum, please? I don't want to hear about <laughs> this. 
Um, actually, it's not a work. Yeah, no, I'm actually on holiday. Yes. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you're even recording from the beach, and you've got the Barbie on. I wish he's got the Barbie. The shrimps on the Barbie. Uh, we call is it the Barbie or is that an Aussie thing? Oh no, I I barbecue. Oh, he's I an definitely Aussie. barbecue, but we don't call them shrimp. We call them prawns. So that's how you know when someone isn't a fucking Aussie or a Kiwi, and they go, "Oh, throw some shrimp on the Barbie." So, yeah, it's fucking prawns, mate. It's a fucking shrimp, Callum. Nah, yeah. same thing. Well, same thing, thing, Callum. Aussie well, and Kiwis. Since I'm the one talking, I'll start the introductions. Uh, so you got me, Callum, from New Zealand, not Australia. Australia. Fucking New Zealand. No. And if you keep saying that, I'll start calling. I'll start Back calling Canadians Americans and Americans Canadians. All right. You would. Hey, I'll take that as a compliment. You wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't. I would because I would do. And yeah, actually, I've just got water because I am. Oh, I think I'm still hungover from New Year's. So, Callum, that's Jesus. not water. That's vodka. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of Canadians, I'm up next. I'm Jack, uh, recording from the bench tonight, and I got an orange bubbly because I'm a bit... Bubbly's go hard. Uh, bubbly's really up nice. Next. Yes, they, they're amazing. No, they don't. No, uh, they well, don't. you've got me, Dennis, it, recording it's... from just uh, south of Jack. I am at the dual monitor setup tonight, not at the bench, <clears throat> and I'm drinking a nice instant coffee. I Nice. What brand? What brand uh, this do you drink? is I don't know. It's just like the no name brand you can get at Chopper's Drug Mart. Oh, uh, that's a crime! <laughs> I am Ezra, New Mexico, and I'm currently drinking nice thick eggnog and taking a selfie for an undisclosed person. Tell him we say Which hi. Boyfriend. Oh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what? Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, I am Garrison, recording from my basement in Kansas. Hashtag Go Midwest. Woohoo! Uh, drinking some spiked eggnog with some wonderful Canadian club liquor. It is to die for. That's how you do it, Ezra. I, well, well, legally, I can't agree to this. So I, I can. Hey, Greg, is that uh, sp- when you say spiked? Eggnog, is that because you put whiskey in it, or is that because you spiked it into the ground just before recording? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go with both. We'll go hey, with hey both. Jack, you, know, you know one thing I found out in Miami? They have way cooler what? bubbly flavors than they do up here. You know what I found? They had they had coconut pineapple. Oh, probably. Coconut pineapple, man. What the hell? It, what it, do you it, mean that's good? That shit's good. No, it tasted like sunscreen. The it tasted like sunscreen. I don't, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> oh, sh- get the fuck out of here. Well, all yeah, bubbly kind of tastes that, like yeah. sunscreen. Well. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note. Oh, well. That eggnog <laughs> goes down smooth. Woo! God damn. Got I think air. I put a little more than half in there. <laughs> I'm going to get funny later in this episode. So. <laughs> As if you aren't already. <laughs> well, on that note, Callum, speaking of funny. This will be the funniest uh, Speaking of funny, episode. Callum, what will we be discussing this week for a special <laughs> New Year's episode? So, <laughs> for the, so, we started last year's 
with armor. So this year we're going to start with an aircraft. And I just... Oh, can we do boats next year? Yeah, if year? you want to host it, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. So I figured I'd start the year off with the Hawker Hurricane because it is one of my most favorite aircraft. I always say that really all the time, but that's because I like a lot of aircraft equally. All aircraft are equal. <laughs> Such a nice looking plane. It is a lot it's of a, people. It's a thick Spitfire. Yeah. But what, before, like as always, we speak no, of the Hurricane. It's the better we Spitfire. We need to talk about what happened before. So, as you can all see, these oh, are all Callum, what is a Hawker Hurricane? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'll get to it. <clears throat> so, during the early 30s, uh, when the Hawker Aircraft Company developed the Hurricane, at that time, RAF Fighter Command had just three, 13 squadrons of aircraft. And they were primarily equipped with the Hawker Fury, the Hawker Demon, or the Bristol Bulldog, all biplanes with a fixed-pitch wooden propeller and non-retractable undercarriage, as we can see in the fix. At the time, there's an institutional reluctance towards change within the air staff. Go figure there. I mean, that was kind of the running, that's kind of the running theme <laughs> of British military in a nutshell, really. Uh, some senior figures were prejudiced against the adoption of monoplane, monoplane fighter aircraft, while mid-level officials were typically more open-minded. So, in 1934, the British Air Ministry issued specification F.5 over 5 stroke 34 in response to demands within the Royal Air Force for a new, gen for a new generation of fighter aircraft. Earlier, during 1933, British aircraft designer Sidney Cam, which we'll be discussing in a bit, had conducted, had conducted discussions with Major John Buchanan of the of the dicta, dictatorial oh for fuck's sake of a technical of a technical development of a monoplane. Dick. Yeah, yeah. First, first, oh. first episode of the year, right? I need to get into the thing. He he talked to the fellas who made the planes, and they no, made he the actually planes. talked to the. He talked to the the, the fellas who uh, helped with the technical development. So he talked to the fellas who thought about making the planes, but didn't Pretty actually much. make the planes. So they wanted to uh, make a development on a monoplane based on the existing Fury. Um, Mason's, Mason attributes Cam's discussions with figures within the area, such as squadron leader Ralph Sawley, as having provoked the specification and some of its detail such as the preference for armament, armament being installed within the wings instead of the aircraft's nose. Which is pretty interesting. There's a, uh, there's a little reason as to that. Um, so an outline of the Fury yeah. monoplane uh, armed with two guns in the wings and two in the nose and powered by the Goshawk was prepared and discussed, but uh, it didn't really go anywhere. Uh, do going down in my notes... So basically, initially in the RAF, they uh, they were against developing monoplane fighters. They they liked the uh, biplane design. They didn't they didn't really like uh, change at all. I mean, they well, had to fight British, tooth and nail for, with the RAF officials to actually you know change things, experiment, get new designs out there. They were very much they knew they liked what they knew and they knew what they liked, sort of thing. You know, they question were, they, for you, Callum. 
Go for it. So, I'm not big on my aircraft. Is there any technical reason why the uh, air ministry might want to retain mono, uh, biplanes over monoplanes? Uh, generally, biplanes are a bit more stable. They're easier to easier to make. Uh, the designs are very simple. They're lighter, uh, tad more maneuverable at lower speed. Um, and of course, this is in the 30s and early 20s as well, where aircraft weren't that fast to begin with. So. You know, they, that was some of the main reasons, basically. So in theory, at least in the 1920s and maybe even the early 1930s, you could make the argument that these were a better option than at least whatever monoplanes were coming out at the time. At the time, yeah. However, yeah. Um, times change. Yeah, countries like the uh, Soviet Union and uh, Germany uh, were looking into replacing all of their biplanes with monoplanes as well as Japan as well. It's just... Britain was a little bit behind. Um, even America at this point, we're starting to roll out stuff like the P P twenty six and uh, the Curtis P thirty six as well. Um, I mean, well, this is in nineteen thirty four. Uh, so, next note: talking about how they wanted to put machine guns in the wings. The reason is. Uh, in July 1934, at a meeting chaired by Air Commodore Arthur Tedder, Director of Training, the Air Ministry Science Officer Captain F.W. Gunner Hill presented his calculation, calculation showing that future fighters must carry no fewer than eight machine guns, each capable of firing 1,000 rounds per minute. Hill's assistant in making his calculations was actually his 13-year-old daughter, Hazel Hill. Um... Hey, sweetie, how many Computer guns should they too. have? <laughs> of the decision um, to place eight machine guns in fighters, Clyde Hilton Keith, at the time Assistant Director of Armament Research and Development, says the battle was brisk and was carried into very high quarters before the imp implementing authority was given. My branch had made out a sound case for eight-gun eight fighters and if, it's, if this recommendation had not been accepted, we had been content with half measures that might indeed have gone ill for us during the late summer of 1940, which we all know what happened there. <clears throat> I imagine the eight guns would sound <laughs> something like this, right? Yeah, Thanks for the copyright yeah, strike, buddy. <laughs> No, no, it was free to use. Uh, YouTube won't think so. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, so... I just think censor do, that whole thing. Just, just for the hell of it. If you're listening to this and you hear, wonder Big what the bleep. whole uh, bleep was, as you said something very, very mean. <laughs> we won't say to which group. <laughs> Racially motivated. <laughs> Now, so, <laughs> the mock-up conference with Air Ministry staff was on the 10th of January 1935 in Kingston. The ministry ordered to purchase a prototype to the September proposal. It was placed on 21st February 1935. At the time, the armament was two Vickers Mark V machine guns in the fuselage and one Browning machine gun in each wing. Work on stressed outer skin wings to replace the fabric-covered ones began in July, and contract was altered in August to include another set of wings with Eight guns in them. The guns were either to be Vickers or Brownings. These were delivered in June 1936. So this is just 
this is just a prelim to how the hurricane came to be you know they wanted to get to the they wanted to make a new mono monoplane because monoplanes were fast you could get faster um they could carry more carry more armament and closer there's a reason the uh, hurricane had the eight in the wings close together as opposed to spread out or you know other countries did them in the nose and the wings and all that so if we go to the uh next next slide we'll just have a quick discussion about the designer uh, uh mr sydney cam he's uh he's got one hell of a uh, history man this guy's prolific yeah as you can see all six aircraft you see on the slide he helped work on he worked hmm. on himself this man went from the hurricane Holy. to the harrier what the hell yeah bro was inventing everything he's the ultimate modeler yeah so I mean, uh, look at him he's got a model right here <laughs> yeah this guy built tamia i don't think he did back then <laughs> shinsaku <laughs> you can see young shinsaku in the back there <laughs> so the designer sydney cam he was born at 10 alma road in windsor berkshire the eldest child the eldest child of 12 wow jesus holy fuck his poor mother mm. <laughs> and the most successful uh, in 1901, he began attending the Royal Free School of on Bachelors Acre in Windsor. Jesus Christ, that is one hell of a name for a school. In 1906, yeah, Bachelors in 1906, Acre. he was granted a granted a yeah. foundation scholarship. In 1908, came left school to become an apprentice carpenter. He developed an interest in aeronautics. Cam and his brothers began building model aircraft, which they supplied to Herbert's Elton High Street shop. Damn, so he was building, he was building what? Yeah. Models before he went on to the actual aircraft. We should listen in on this one. After finding that they could obtain a higher price, they began making direct sales to boys at Eton College, which were delivered in secret to avoid attracting attention of Herbert and school authorities. So he created a modeling black market. He's one of us. <laughs> He's literally one of us. One of us. One of us. H-I-E-F. <laughs> one of the founders. Well, actually, uh, these activities led him to being one of the founders of the Windsor Modeling Airplane, Windsor Model Airplane Club in early 1912. His accomplishments, accomplishments as a model airplane builder culminated in a man-carrying glider, which he and others at the club built in 1912. So he just started upscaling his models. So if anyone ever tells you that scale modeling is not a serious hobby, just tell them about this guy. I mean, upscaling his models. That's what I did yeah. with my Iltis. Yeah. So shortly before the start of World War One, Cam obtained a position at a shop floor as a shop floor carpenter in the Martinside Aircraft Company, which was located in the Brooklyn's racing circuit in Weybridge, Surrey. His ability soon led to his being promoted to the drawing office where he spent the war period. After the company went into liquidation in 1921, he was employed by George Hanside, who had created his own aircraft manufacturing company, which was responsible for the creation of the, Hides the Handside monoplane. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. You know me and my That's crack British, who cares? Yeah, who cares? 
it wasn't uh, in November 1923 he joined the Hawker Aircraft Company, uh, later Hawker Sidley, based in Canberra Park in Kensington upon Thames as a senior draftsman. His first design was the Signet, the success which led to his being appointed as chief designer in 25. Now, during his employment at Hawker, he was responsible for the creation of 52 different types of aircraft, of which a total of 20, of 26,000 were manufactured. Wow. Holy. Yeah, that's pretty Holy. decent. Among his early designs was the Tomtit, Hornbill, Nimrod, Hart, and Fury. At one time in the wow. 30s, 84% of the aircraft in the RAF were designed by CAM. How many uh, hours or how many aircraft did you say he put on? Uh, 52 designs with a grand total of 26,000 made. Yeah, Which, sounds like a part-timer to me. Yeah, <laughs> light, uh, light work, light work. <laughs> wait, wait, Calm. so those 52 designs, were all of them, like, did they all get off the drawing board and were they all manufactured to one degree or another? Or, like, did some of them remain basically, like, in the prototype phase, whereas others became more successful? Yeah. I assume sure, it just says responsible for the creation of 52 different types of aircraft, but they don't say whether they were... Usually it's like they had designed aircraft, whereas that says created. In my mind, created means they were built. Um, well, I mean, the RAF did operate a whole bunch of different aircraft, so I wouldn't well, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. But, I mean, it did, he did uh, design 84% of the aircraft in the RAF, so... <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. Like, My man personally, was in the shop or... building them himself. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, Prime Minister Churchill, give me some more extra thin. Yeah, I think I think the way they do it, I think the way they do it, Jack, is you have a team <laughs> and a lead designer, and then basically what they get given is right. a requirement, um, and they have standards that need to be attained, like uh, how fast a plane should go, height how high it should fly all of that you get you get these um specification yep that's the word i was looking for specifications, specifications. and then basically a t a team lead and his design team design an aircraft around those specifications so him and all of his little pandas decided designed yep. Yep. most of the area so uh, so after Crazy. that, he moved on to designing air, airplanes that would be that would become mainstays of the RAF in the Second World War, including the Hawker Hurricane, the Hawker Typhoon, and Hawker Tempest. Uh, there's a quote. One of his team was quoted: uh, "Cam had Cam had a one-track mind. His aircraft were right, and everybody had to work on them. And wait, and everybody had to work on them to get them right. If they did not." There, then there was hell. He was a very difficult man to work for, but you could not have a better aeronautical engineer to work under. With regard to his own staff, he did not suffer fools gladly, and at times many of us appeared to be fools. One rarely got into trouble for doing something either in the ideas line or in the manufacturing line, but woe betide those who did nothing or put forward an indeterminate solution. Interesting. Hmm. Seems like a nice guy. Hmm. Seems like so, a knob. 
<laughs> so, uh, also, among the engineers who worked with Cam at Hawker were Sir Frederick Page, later to design the English Electric Lightning, Leslie Appleton, who later later to designed the advanced Ferry Delta II and Britain's first air-to-air missile, the Ferry Fireflash, Stuart Davis, who joined Avro in 1936 and was later designer of the chief designer of the Avro Vulcan. Roy Chaplin, who was who became the chief designer at Walker in 1957, and Sir Robert Lickley, who later became chief engineer at Ferry. So it was quite a quite an interesting team he had working for him at the time as well. So you could argue that he was in, in kind of indirectly an inspiration for basically most of the iconic British aircraft of the 20th century. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. Along yeah. with Canadian ones too. But the fact that he was still around, he was help, He helped design the Harrier, the Sea Fury, the Hawker Hunter, Hurricane, Typhoon, Tempest. That was, uh, that's a pretty good career to have. That was a pretty good one. Anyway, so if we go to the uh, next slide... I've got a lot of notes, but I'll try, I'll try and condense it down. So this is the prototype designated K5083. So at Look the at end of August. Propeller. Yeah, so oh, this, is a very, this is a prototype. So at the time, they <laughs> had wooden two-bladed props. You know, no three-blade fixed pit, um, variable pitch or anything like that. They were very basic wooden props. So... By the end of August 1935, work on the the airframe had been completed at Hawker's Kingston-upon-Thames facility, and the aircraft components were transported to Brooklyn, Surrey, where Hawker had an assembly shed. The prototype was fully reassembled on 23rd of October 1935. I do see a lot of the influence of the Fury in this design. You, You can look at the two of them and see, oh yeah, there's more than a passing resemblance. Oh, you can see the yeah, yeah. The the fuselage, even the uh, yeah. the earliest, you know, the uh, car door style um, typhoon. Typhoon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it had the uh, yeah, it's very very similar. Mm. Well, hey, if the design ain't yeah, broke, don't fix there. it. Going oh, yeah. off on a bit of a tangent, why did the early Typhoons have a car door instead of the sliding bubble canopy, like on uh, their models? That was that they hadn't really gone into uh, bubble canopies at that point. Uh, they hadn't really made um, anything like that before. Like even the Mustangs uh, had birdcage or Ridgeback uh, early Thunderbolts. Um, oh, I have a feeling it's probably due due to them not being able to. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about the canopies. They're, they're not bulletproof, are they? I don't think the uh, bubble canopies were armored glass. I could be wrong on that. I think it was more just how to make them and design them. Well, well that's what I was getting at. It's like yeah. it's you have to manipulate the glass in such a way as to actually get it to like form into that very very specific shape. Whereas if you've got the car door right, you basically just need straight panes of glass as it were. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm. Mm. You think about it, the bubble canopy mm-hmm. was a huge uh, tactical advantage for any fighter that had it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which make, makes you wonder why the BF-109 never got something like what the Focke-Wolf had. 
Like that retains the birdcage all the way through. Yeah, it's a good question. It's probably just a case that they say, oh, well, we've got this design, it works. And probably it's the case of the BF 109s by the time that, you know, uh, bubble canopies are becoming more prevalent and easier to manufacture. The wars progress to a point where the BF 109s aren't even necessarily fighting in as much of a role where they would need a bubble canopy because a lot of them got converted for ground attack, right? A lot of them, yeah. Yeah. They could, they could be a reason, arguably. Yeah. Well, you also got to think that uh, by the time you know these things were prevalent, uh, wasn't the, the the Luftwaffe like not much of a thing anymore? Yeah, they, that they too. Were, they were on the way out. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> I think they had more prevalent issues. And hey, how do we redesign our carrier MP? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna so say though. Uh, yeah, go for it. I've got a question regarding this uh, specific prototype here. So the Hurricane. It's a wooden aircraft, right? Like it's known as a quote-unquote wooden aircraft because a lot of the parts were wooden. But I've seen here, like, oh, basically forward of the cockpit, it looks like it's basically all metal. So, do you know roughly, like, in a ratio, how much of the aircraft was wood versus how much was metal? Was like, you know, was a quarter of it a metal construction, or like, what are we looking uh, at here? A lot of hurricanes, um, they were they were fabric covered. So okay. the back, so the back half of the fuselage and wings are generally a lattice work or you know like framework. Yeah, and then they they're covered in a um, in canvas usually, and it's dope or it's yeah, it's usually uh, fabric covered. And then all the parts that hold major components like the engine, the cockpit, all that that is all metal. Right, of, fair enough. Yeah. So it's just um, like those uh, Guilos models you used to build as a kid where you'd have to cut out all the balsa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually one thing, that's uh, one thing in the design that led the Hurricane that didn't, especially in a lot of uh, British uh, bombers as well, you look at the Wellington, that could take a lot of damage and not get shot down, you know, and it's uh, purely the way that's uh, all designed, you've got the fabric and all that. You can punch holes through fabric, fabric and is not going to do that much, and plus, there's nothing. Like, there's nothing for any of the, the bullets to do anything. Um, I think a lot of the time, the uh, like the incendiary, incendiary rounds would just pass through because they wouldn't hit anything hard enough to set them off. Well, no wonder why. Like half the aircraft isn't yeah, even actually yeah. there. It's just an illusion. It's just canvas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's also a smart game here. It's percentage. It's uh, probability. What's the probability that you're going to get hit? Well, if half the aircraft is actually just covered by canvas, well, then you've only got a fifty percent chance of actually getting a damaging hit. <laughs> exactly. I think it's also just it is it is a hang up that's of smart. the old way of making aircraft because that's the old way of the biplanes and stuff is wooden frame. Well, I think this is metal frame, but it was basically frame and canvas covered. So it's still a sort of, you're still seeing early design meeting new requirements, new standards. It's, um, you know, it's that sort of weird period. Well, oftentimes we can actually learn a lot from the way things used to be done. Oh, yeah. So now, uh, in the course of the RAF trials, this is for prototype K5083, um, 
Despite the problems with the Merlin engine, which had suffered numerous failures and necessitating several changes, uh, this is a thing of early Merlin engines, the Rolls-Royce Merlin is a fantastic engine, but the early ones, uh, they still needed some tweaking. There's a reason why a lot of aircraft didn't employ the Merlin at the time. Um, so and there were enthusiastic reports on were produced on the aircraft and its performance. The trials had proved the aircraft to had proved the aircraft to possess a maximum level speed of 315 miles an hour, that's 507 kilometers an hour, at an altitude of 16,200 16, foot feet or 4,900 meters. It had a climb to 15,000 feet in 5.7 minutes and a stalling speed of 57 miles an hour, which was only marginally better than the Gladiator biplane. Uh, in the course of further testing, it was found the Hurricane had poor spin recovery characteristics in which all rudder, rudder authority could be lost due to shielding in the rudder. Hawker's response to the issue was to request that spinning tests be waived, uh, but the Air, Air Ministry refused the request, thank God. But in early 1936, the Hawker Board of Directors had decided in the absence of, of official authorization and an accompany, and at company expense to proceed with the issue of the design drawings to the production design office to start tooling up for a production line capable of producing a batch of 1,000 hurricanes. And that's how we get to the next slide, please. The Mark I. So the Mark mm. I, first production version with fabric covered wings, a wooden two blade fixed pitch propeller. Um, or some of them did come with a three, uh, three blade two pitch propeller uh, powered by the 1030 horsepower Rolls-Royce Merlin Mark II or Mark III engines and armed with 8.303 inch Browning machine guns produced between 1937 and 1939. So this is the very, very first ones. Uh, if you want to make, I really want to make a model of one of these purely for the camouflage. Um, very early war hurricanes as a sort of identification for um, AA batteries. You'll notice that the early ones didn't use any sky color or anything underneath, right? You know what they did? What they do? They painted what? half the uh, aircraft underneath black and the other half white. Oh, that's right. Literally state down the middle. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Wasn't that like on Spitfires as well? Yep. Uh, early yeah. Spitfires, all early aircraft had that it as an identifier cool. for AA batteries so they can identify with friends or foe. Uh, eventually, they switched to just having sky color because uh, it turns out the battery, AA batteries, Either couldn't see, couldn't see the colouring, didn't know the distinguishing factors, or just didn't care and they just shot at it. So eventually they just removed it as surplus requirement, basically, because it didn't really work. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But, oh yeah, yeah it, good. I would good say the black and white though. underneath Damn. looks amazing on a model. Seriously. So with the Mark One, if we go to the next slide... So there's a little bit of pre-war, uh, primarily in 1938, the first 50 hurricanes had reached squadrons, 
and at that time had been assessed that the rate of production was slightly greater than the RAF's capacity to introduce new aircraft, which had already been accelerated. Accordingly, the British government gave, gave Hawker the clearance to sell excess aircraft to nations that were, that were likely to oppose German expansion. As a result, there were some modest export sales to other countries. At the earliest opportunity, a former RAF Hurricane 1 was dispatched to Yugoslavia for evaluation purposes. Shortly after this, an order of 24 Hurricane Mark 1s for the Royal Yugoslav Air Force was received. This was followed by the purchase of a production license for the Hurricane by Yugoslavia. Yugoslavian Hurricanes saw action against Luftwaffe during the invasion of Yugoslavia in 1941. Uh, also, at the end of August 1934, 14 hurricanes had been sent to Poland. Um, however, these aircraft never reached Poland and ultimately were sold to Turkey. Uh, seven ex-RAF hurricanes were sent to South Africa, another 13 to Turkey, uh, 13 more to Belgium, 21 to Canada, including one as a pattern for Canadian car and foundry. Yes, Canada built hurricanes. There we go. Mm. Yep. One one went to Iran, another one went to Poland, three to Romania, and 12 to Yugoslavia. All all the built for export aircraft were taken were taken from the RAF order and all so all originally had RAF serial numbers. Further exports were done in the final four months of nineteen thirty-nine and early nineteen forty. Yeah. So that's pre-war. If we go to there next, we have uh, a strange period in the Second World War called the Phony War. Does anyone know what the Phony War was? Oh, I know this one. Go for it. So early on, basically after Britain declares war on Germany, basically from 1939, what was it, September 1939? Yeah, and then it was basically what until what? Yeah. Tom, what's traditionally considered the end of the Phony War? Was it the evacuation of Dunkirk? basically it... yeah. Um, yeah operation dynamo i thought it was okay no never mind um, yeah you're right so basically yeah from, from the, the when britain declared war on germany in 1939 all the way until the uh the evacuation from dunkirk when the british expeditionary force was in france it was basically a period where there wasn't a huge amount of fighting done i mean there, there were there was fighting but it wasn't that say the level that would be reached in places like North Africa. And basically the, the phony war term basically came to represent the idea that they were at war with Germany, but because things weren't really cooking off yet, it was almost the idea that like, yeah, there's a war, but it's, it's kind of fake. I don't know really how best to describe it. Yeah. Ba basically it was, um, they weren't like, at all out war, but there were, you know, it's like the declared yeah. war, but they weren't really at war, sort of thing. Yeah, de, de juro, they were at war, but de facto, they weren't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that changed rapidly. Um, <laughs> As we <yes>. shall see. <laughs> so, during the Fighting <laughs> War, owing to the hurricane's rugged, rugged construction, ease of maintenance and repair in the field, and its docile landing and takeoff characteristics, coupled with a wide track undercarriage, it was selected to go to France as the principal RAF fighter. <clears throat> hint, hint, it was better than the Spitfire in this respect. Um, yeah, we might get some hate for that, but one thing I like about the Hurricane. So, 
Two Hurricane Squadrons, number one and number 73, form 67 wing of the Advanced Air Striking Force. That sounds cool, doesn't it? What are you part of? The air strike, Advanced Air Striking Force. It does. It's not just the Air Strike Force, it's the Advanced Air Strike Force. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. While two more, number 85 and number 87, formed 60 wing of the Air Component BEF, or British Expeditionary Force. I fucked that up, didn't I? Uh, ah, fuck it. Ah, you're fine. So, while the two squadrons of number 60 wing had their hurricanes painted in the standard colour scheme and markings of home base fighters, those of number 67 wing differed considerably. It was probably because number 1 and number 70 squadron, 73 squadrons were operating in close proximity to French fighter squadrons that these units were... <clears throat> that these pa units painted red, white, and blue stripes over the entire height of the rudders on their Hurricanes in a similar manner to the standard French Air Force national markings. As the French squadrons were not familiar with the British use of code letters and there could have been a cause for error in the aircraft identification, both, hur both Hurricane squadrons removed their squadron identification letters, leaving the grey-painted aircraft letter aft of the fuselage roundel. The Leave it to, to French. <laughs> Leave it to yeah, the French to mess up this operation. Bloody oh French! Ugh. They could I mean, be it's not like uh, all they had to do was build a little model of the hurricane so they knew what to look for. But no. Yeah. Is it they couldn't understand or wouldn't understand? <laughs> they wouldn't. They're too fucking. I know our country is almost you know gone, <laughs> but fuck you guys. We'll go down. It's fucking pricks. So, on 24th of August 1939, the British government gave orders partially to mobilise and number one group RAF sent its 10 Ferry Battle Day Bomber Squadrons to France, according to plans established by the British and French earlier in the year. The group was the first echelon of the RAF Advanced Air Striking Force and flew from base bases in Abingdon, Harwell, Benson, Biscombe Down and... My sister. My sister? Fuck it. Well done. You gave it your best. Yeah, I gave it my best and I still failed. The group HQ became the AASF when the order to move to France was received and the home station HQ's wings uh, were sent over. Uh, they were mainly assigned to escorting duties independent of the air component BEF. The Hurricane had its first combat action on 21st of October 1939 at the start of the phony war. That day, a flight of 46 Squadron took off from North Coast Satellite Airfield on the Lincolnshire coast and was directed to intercept a formation of nine Heinkel HE-115B floatplanes from... Oh, I am not attempting to pronounce that. Some German, some German squadron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were searching for ships to attack in the North Sea. The Heinkels, which were flying at sea level in an attempt to avoid fighter attack, had already been attacked and damaged by two, two Spitfires from 72nd Squadron when six Hurricanes intercepted them. The Hurricanes shot down four of the enemy, shot down four of the enemy in rapid succession. 46 Squadron claiming five, and the Spitfire pilots two. In response to a request from the F, from the French government. For the provision of 10 fighter squadrons to provide air support, Air Chief Marshal Sir Hugh Dowding 
chief and commander of RAF Fighter Command, ins insisted that this number would be de would deplete British defences severely, and so initially only four squadrons of Hurricanes were sent, keeping and they mainly kept Spitfires back at back for home defence. And yeah, so that's the phony war. Uh, basically, just not a lot happened. Um, but during this time, if we go to the next slide, we have a brand new Mark. So this is this is what was called the Mark, the Hurricane Mark One Revised. So it wasn't a Mark Two; they just revised the Mark One. So, yeah, basically, it's the revised Hurricane Mark One series built with a De Havilland or Rotor consistent constant speed metal propeller. Metal covered wings, armor, and other improvements. A total of 4,200 Mark 1s were built, 1,924 by Hawker, 1,085 by Gloucester Aircraft Company, and 426 by Canadian Car and Foundry between December 1937 and 1941. The Canadian Car and Foundry Hurricanes were shipped to England to be fitted with engines. So basically, it was just, they were just updating the Mark 1s. And it was these that we used, uh, if we go to the next slide, in the Battle of France. R-35! Wait, no, that's on R-35. Hmm. I apologize. <laughs> no, this one. That's not on R-35. Which one were you looking R35. at? Is it a uh, no, it's a Samoa. No, that's a Char. Yeah, yeah they're both The, the engine grills. Oh, it is a Samoa. Man, confusing yeah. mistakes. Leave it so, to the French. Good riddance. <laughs> Don't leave it so, to the French. Yeah, Dennis, really. do you know what the Battle of France is? Uh, you know the phony war? What's the Battle of France? Uh, the closest thing that we have to the Gulf War, but in 1940. <laughs> that is so rude. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> So basically, um, the Battle of France is when things really started kicking off in the war. Um, this is when uh, Germany, because Germany um, invaded, you know, Poland, Czechoslovakia, you know, all of them first. They left France alone for a while. Uh, and then basically they decided to go around the Maginot Line instead of trying to go through it and invaded France. That was their... That was the, that what they ultimately wanted to do was invade France because they're, you know, neighbors. So, uh, da, 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 da. so in May 1940, numbers 379 and 504 squadrons reinforced the earlier units as German, Germany's Blitzkrieg gathered momentum. On 10th oh, of May, the Blitzkrieg. The, yep, your favorite. <laughs> On 10th of May, the first day of Battle of. The first day of the Battle of France, Flight Lieutenant R.E. Lovett and Flying Officer Fanny Orton of 73 Squadron were the first RAF pilots to get to engage enemy aircraft in the campaign. They attacked one of three Dornier uh, Doe 17s that were flying over their airfield at... Oh, fuck. No. Flying over their airfield. I'm not pronouncing that. The Dornier went away unscathed while Orton was hit, with, was hit by defensive fire and had to force... Had to force land. On the same day, the Hurricane squadrons claimed 42 German aircraft, none of them fighters, 
shot down during 208, 208 sorties. Seven, seven hurricanes were lost, but no pilots were killed. It's not bad. No. 200, uh, what is that? 42, that's all right. 42 for seven? Yes, that's, that's all right. <laughs> so, a that's lot of, so during the Battle of there. France, a lot of hurricanes uh, we used for escorting ferry battles. Um, uh, those are the aircraft in the bottom left, single engine mono wing light bombers, which got absolutely decimated. I like uh, that plane. It, it's pretty cool looking. The, I've, the, I've seen one in uh, I went when I went to the RAF uh, Air Force Museum in London. They have one there. That's it is surprisingly big. It is massive. You know oh, what yeah, I get from this? Is What's it? That? You know how you know how the SU thirty four, which is a bomber, looks huh. like a fighter just because of the way it's designed. Yet yeah. it's actually massive. This is the exact same thing. It looks like a fighter, but it's not. Yeah, it was actually a light bomber. Yeah, same, same. So but it's different. like the same thing, but opposite. Same yeah, it's a bit like uh, the Hawker C, uh, not the C Fury. No, just oh, fail, uh, the, uh, um, uh, Fury Fulmar. The Barracuda. Uh, the uh, the Fulmar was a was a fighter, but it was a two two person fighter. Um, a fourteen. Yeah. Well, it had a navigator in the back, so yeah. Pretty. because it was a designated fighter. It wasn't a. It wasn't a ground attack or anything. It was a naval fighter. Top Gun would be a much better movie if it was if it took place aboard a Royal Navy right. escort carrier in 1943. I would love to watch that, but they'll probably screw the aircraft <laughs> up. So. So. Uh, during the during the eleven days of fighting in France and over Dunkirk from tenth to the twenty first of May, Hurricane pilots claimed four hundred ninety nine kills and one hundred twenty three problems. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, that's a big claim. Contemporary days, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, you don't get these numbers anymore, do you? You just don't. I wish we, we gotta did. go back. <laughs> Contemporary German records examined post-war attributed 299 Luftwaffe aircraft destroyed and 65 seriously damaged by RAF fighters. So that's like half. That's the entire Canadian Air Force destroyed like three times over. Yep. The last 66 Hurricanes of the 452 engaged during the Battle of France left France on 21st of June. 178 were abandoned at several airfields and set light. So I mentioned uh, Dunkirk. If we go to the next slide, you'll see what else the Hurricane participated in. Operation Dynamo. Or, you know. Oh, and uh, that uh, camo scheme I was mentioned, I talked to you about, bottom right shows the black and, black and white camo. That's really dope. Oh, yeah, beautiful. You can see why I want to make that. So, what was uh, Operation Dynamo? It was the evacuation uh, from Dunkirk. Um, so, a total of 27 Hurricane pilots became aces during Operation Dynamo, led by Canadian pilot officer W.L. Willie McKnight, who scored 10 victories, and pilot officer Percival Stanley Turner, who claimed 7 victories. 
who served in number 242 squadron, consisting mostly of Canadian personnel. Losses were 22 pilots killed and three captured. Um, hang on, I've lost my notes here. Trying to get it back, trying to get it back. That's why we do editing. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you <laughs> that's do editing. Yeah. So we don't do editing, he does editing. So the, the <laughs> so between 26th of May and the 3rd of June 1940, the 14 Hurricane units involved were credited with 108 air victories, a total of 27 Hurricane... Uh, da, 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 da. So on 27th of May 1940, in one of the final mass encounters of the Blitzkrieg, 13 Hurricanes from 501 Squadron intercepted 24 Heinkel HE-111s Escorted by 20 BF-110s during the ensuing battle, 11 Heinkels were claimed as kills and others damaged, with little damage to the Hurricanes. On 7th of June 1940, Cobber Kane was the first RAF ace to go of the war. Uh, got word that he was to return to England for rest leave at an operational training unit. On leaving his airfield, he was he put on an impromptu aerobatic, aerobatic display and was killed when his hurricane crashed after completing a loop and attempted some low-altitude flick rolls. <laughs> oh, man. Don't be a fucking asshole. <laughs> Just fly to the airfield. <laughs> Didn't, like, so many pilots die doing that in World War II? Yes. That dude, yeah. Especially in Spitfires and Probably. Hurricanes, because at that time they happening. didn't use injection uh, fuel. They just had a regular oh. gravity-fed fuel tank, so that if they did a barrel roll like that, it would It'd starve stall. the engine. That's where you can hear it. That's funny. Um, yeah. So that was uh, Operation Dynamo, they, which was basically covering all the retreating ground forces. So they, they, they did their best. They lost some aircraft, but they did... I mean, it was Operation Dynamo was a success in some regards. There's still a lot. Well, there were a lot, yeah, of, some, there were a lot of people sort of left. In some regards. Yeah. So if we go to the right. uh, next slide. So this is what the Hurricane was mostly known for. Battle of Britain. Uh, somewhat outshadowed by the Spitfire, although the Hurricane... I think were, did a lot did a lot of work that was unappreciated because uh, everyone just sees Spitfire looks good, fast shoots down a lot of aircraft. As a bomber killer, the Hurricanes were better uh, for fighters. Spitfire was better that, and that's how they were used a lot. Uh, usually, Spitfires would intercept the escorting fighters. Hurricanes, They've got the eight machine guns close together in the wings. They were much more stable. They were better as a gun platform. And they could basically just sit behind a bomber and then just shoot rounds into it. It was much better at it. So, as a fighter, the Hurricane had some drawbacks. It was slightly slower than both the Spitfire 1 and 2 and the Messerschmitt BF-109E. And the thicker wing profiles compromised acceleration. But it could outturn both of them. In spite of the, in spite of its performance deficiencies against the BF-109, the, the Hurricane was still capable of destroying the, the German fighter, especially at lower altitudes. The standard tactic of the 109s was to attempt to climb higher than the RAF fighters and bounce them in a dive. The Hurricanes could evade such tactics by turning into the attack or going into a corkscrew drive, which the 109s, with their lower rate of roll, found hard to counter. 
If a 109 was caught in a dogfight, the Hurricane was just as capable of outturning the 109 as the Spitfire. In a stern chase, the 109 could evade the Hurricane. In September 1940, the more powerful Mark Mark IIa Series 1 Hurricane started entering service, although only in small numbers. This version of this version was capable of a maximum speed of 342 miles an hour. The Hurricane was a steady gun platform and had demonstrated its ruggedness and as several were badly damaged yet returned to base. The Hurricane's construction made it dangerous if it was caught on fire. The wood frames and fabric covering of the rear fuselage allowed fire to spread through the rear fuselage structure easily. The gravity fuel tank at the forward fuselage sat right in front of the instrument panel without any form of protection for the pilot. Many Hurricane pilots were seriously burned as a consequence of a jet of flame which could burn through the instrument panel. It became This became such concern to Hugh Dowding that he had Hawker retrofit the fuselage, retrofit the fuselage tanks of the Hurricanes with Linatex, a self-expanding rubber coating. If the tank happened to be punctured by a bullet, the Linatex coating expanded when soaked with petrol and sealed it. However, some Hurricane pilots felt that the fuel tanks in the wings, although they were also protected by a layer of Linatex, were vulnerable from behind, and it was thought that those, and not the fuselage tanks, were the main fire risk. That's a scary thought. Like, the jet, a jet of flame could go through, yeah. melt yeah. through your instrument panel and into you. And you're fucked. Yes, quite fucked, in fact. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Quite fucked, in fact. <laughs> uh, duh, duh, duh. So, from 10th of July to 11th of August, 1940, RAF fighters fired at 114 German bombers and shot down 80, a destruction ratio of 70%. Against the BF-109, the RAF fighters attacked 70 and shot down 54 of those, a ratio of 77%. It has been suggested that part of the success of the British fighters was possibly due to the use of the De Wild incendiary round. The Hurricane, with the highest number of kills during the Battle of Britain, was P-3308, a Mark I flown between 15th of August and 7 October 1940 by RAF auxiliary pilot Archie McKellar of 605 Squadron. He is credited with 21 kills, 19 of those in a Hurricane during the Battle of Britain. On 7th of October, he is credited with shooting down five BF-109s, making him one of only two RAF pilots, the other one being Brian Cadbury of New Zealand, to become an ace in a day during the Battle of Britain. The only Battle of Britain Victoria Cross... Yeah, fuck, I've lost myself again. It's the beginning of the year. I need to edit this bit out. <laughs> Holy shit, it's we're already at one hour. I need to speed this up. That was the Battle of Britain. <coughs> Next slide, please. <laughs> Bluetooth. Okay, so this is one of the aircraft I mentioned. So this is the Hurricane Mark II A Series 1. Their naming system for hurricanes infuriates me to hell. Um, so... This was powered by the improved Merlin XX or Merlin 20, depends on if you're Roman or not. So the Merlin 20 engine with two speed, with a two C, uh, fuck me, a two speed supercharger. 
This new engine used a coolant mix of 30% glycol and 70% water. Pure, pure glycol is flammable, so not only was the new mix safer, but the engine also ran approximately 21 degrees Celsius or 70 Fahrenheit cooler, which gave longer engine life and greater reliability. The new engine was longer than the earlier Merlin, so the Hurricane gained about 4.5 inch, a 4.5 inch plug in the front of the cockpit, which made the aircraft slow. Mm -hmm. 4.5 inch plug. <laughs> I always say it's big. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this made the aircraft slightly more stable due to the slightly forward shift in center of gravity. First. Uh, first flown on 11th of June 1940 and went into squadron service in September 1940. Hawker built 418 and Gloucester Aircraft Company built 33 of these. Uh, which moves us to the next one, if we're good. So this is the Hurricane Mark IIb or the Mark IIa Series 2. You see why I was, I was getting annoyed with this, right? <laughs> And you bitch Mark about the Americans. Too. I still will. Uh, <laughs> that, that, oh, uh, that hasn't changed. Yeah. One little detail. So on the um, those 450 cows on the wing, it looks like one of them is patched up. Is that the fabric covering they use to like they're keep dirt cows. and stuff? Well, they're 0.303s. Oh, they oh, my bad. Yep. Are, yep. are those the uh, patches they put over to keep like the dirt and stuff? From falling I think, in? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, this, so this is the Mark IIb or Mark IIa Series 2. These were fitted with racks allowing them to carry two 250-pound bombs or two 500-pound bombs. This lowered the top speed of the Hurricane to 301 miles an hour. But, it, but by this point, mixed sweeps of Hurricanes carrying bombs protected by a screen of, hurricane, of fighter Hurricanes were not uncommon. The same racks allowed the Hurricane to carry two 45 Imperial gallon or 200 litre drop tanks instead of the bombs, nearly doubling the Hurricane's fuel load. Hurricane Mark, Mark IIa Series 2 was equipped with a slight, slightly new, longer and newer uh, propeller spinner and four additional wing-mounted 0.303 inch or 7.7 millimetre Browning machine guns for a grand total of 12 machine guns. Yeah, Jeez. fucking kill it! There we go. You thought eight was nice. a, was enough? New no. <laughs> twelve. Jeez, twelve. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta really hate somebody. And put you it this way, with the wrong queen. Yeah, that's twelve firing at a thousand RPM each. Oh no! <laughs> that's a lot of fucking ammo. Jesus Christ! It would. I would that sound like Ezra again? But I imagine no, you can't. Intense. Yeah. So the first aircraft was built in February 1941 <laughs> and was renamed Mark IIb in April 41. A total of 3,050 uh, IIbs were built. Um, 1,883 by Hawker, 867 by the Gloucester Aircraft Company, and 300 by the Austin Aero Club. So... After these we came in, around this time of the war, if we go to the next slide, you can see another theatre the Hurricane participated in, the North Africa, which makes for some very cool um, camouflages. Mm. I'm a sucker for North African. 
I yeah, those are desert. really good colorizations. Those are some good pictures. Oh, yeah, they, they're, they're great photos, these ones. I love them. Okay, so, I, I expect you to talk a little bit about these ones on the bottom right. Uh, what are those ones? Hang on, I can't quite see. Look, look underneath the wings. Oh, I will. Don't, don't worry, I will. Okay. Oh. So. Oh. I'm not seeing it. What? Oh, you'll know. You'll be told. Yeah, you'll be told. So, a Hurricane Mark I undertook tropical trials in Sudan in mid-1939, and a number were hastily tropicalized following Italy's entry into the war in June 1940. These aircraft were initially ferried through France and Malta by air to 80 Squadron in Egypt, replacing Gladiator biplanes. The Hurricane claimed its first kill in the Mediterranean on 19th of June 1940, when Flight Officer P.G. White... Wycombe Barnes reported shooting down a two Fiat CR-42 Falcos. Those are the Italian biplanes, which look really nice. Yeah, I better look real nice going down on the fucking ground after being hit with 1250s. 30s. 303s. <laughs> Probably not. Wasn't um, much to see anymore. So Hurricane served with several British Commonwealth uh, squadrons, um... They suffered, suffered heavy losses over North Africa with the arrival of the BF-109E and F variants and were progressively replaced in the air superiority role by Curtis Tomahawk and Kitty Hawks. However, fighter-bomber variants, also known as Hurra-bombers, retained an edge in the ground attack role due to the impressive armament, armament <coughs> of four 20mm cannons and a 500-pound bomb load. Uh, so... Yeah, basically, they went from fighter into a fighter bomber in North Africa. Which, uh, if you go to the next slide, you'll see. So, this is the Mark IIb Trop, uh, tropical. So, when Britain sent aircraft to North Africa, of course, you have, uh, as uh, Greg can tell you, a lot of sand. Sand is not good for vehicles. Fuck, no, it's not. The desert is not good. It's too hot for vehicles it's uh kills not, morale yeah so for use in north africa the hawker hurricane mark 2b and other variants were what where they were uh tropicalized as they call it so they were filtered fitted with volks and rolls royce engine dust filters and the pilots were issued with a desert survival kit including a bottle bottle of water behind the cockpit so you'll notice underneath here compared to other hurricanes there's an extra sort of filter air intake underneath the uh, chin. So this this shows you what a tropicalized version is, and it's basically this extra filter, um, plus uh, oh, different okay. engine covers and all, and all of that. So that's what they mean when it's a, it's a trop, is it's got this extra filter in it. So if mm -hmm. we go to, because uh, I uh, mentioned the 20 mils, we go to the next slide. This is the Mark IIc. Mark, uh, yeah, Mark II C. So these are uh, Mark II A Series ones, equipped with new and slightly longer propeller spinner, and fully replaced the machine gun armament with four 20 millimeter Hispano Mark II cannons, two per side. The, Hurric the Hurricane II A Series two became the Mark II C in June 1941, using a slightly modified wing. The new wings also included a hard point for a 500 or 250 pound bomb and later in 1941 fuel tanks. 
By then, performance was inferior to the latest German fighters, and the Hurricane changed to the ground attack role, some, sometimes referred to as the Hurrabomber. The Mark also served as a night fighter and intruder, with about three quarters converted to fighter bombers. There were 4,700 two Cs built by Hawker in between February 1941 and Ju July 1944. If you go to the next one, there is a very, very nice version. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Greg, this is what we're talking about. The Mark II D. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Do tell. This makes me happy oh. in a no-no place. Oh, hello. Yes. Yep. I see it now. So, <laughs> when you oh, see really it, happy to see me. <laughs> the Hurricane Mark II D. These were armed with two 40mm anti-tank autocannons in a gondola-style pod, one under each wing, and a single Browning machine gun in each wing loaded with tracers for aiming purposes. The first aircraft flew in 18th September 1941, and delivery started in 1942. Serial-built aircraft were had additional armor for the pilot, radiator, and engine, and armed with a Rolls-Royce gun with 12 rounds, later changed to the 40mm Vickers S gun with 15 rounds. The outer wing attachments were strengthened so the four so that 4G could be pulled could be pulled at a weight of 8,540 pounds. 4G, that's a fuckload. Well look at what the <laughs> fuck you're carrying. <laughs> the yeah. weight of guns and armor protection marginally impaired the aircraft's performance. These hurricanes were nicknamed flying can openers, perhaps a play on the logo <laughs> of number six squadron, which flew the hurricanes starting in nineteen forty two. A total of 296 uh, were built by Hawker between Jan January 1942 and February 1943. These 40 mils are impressive. We need to send these oh, to I want brain. to build that. Oh, they're... Uh, I'm sad I tried... Yes. They Why not? You just say send them to Ukraine. It's made out of wood. You can't <laughs> even detect these things on radar. <laughs> That That's a good, good point. Think about it. Have a look. They, call, they, they called me a madman. They should bring the Fury back for Ukraine. <laughs> I just want to have a look at how much it could go through. Calum, we're staying here. I hope you understand that. We're learning everything we can about the hurricane, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. <laughs> I just want you know to see how struggling? much they could go through. So in North Africa, especially at the, say the start of it, right? The, basically, the most effective British tank gun was the two-pounder, which was a 40 millimeter. Yep. This thing has two. Yep. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. I, I, is this I, a I tiger killer? With it. One moment. Claims by pilots using the Vickers S, which is the later one I told you about. Uh, included 47 tanks destroyed of 148 tanks hit, as well as nearly 200 other vehicles. However, Hurricane 2D was poorly protected for the ground attack role, and ground fire caused heavy losses. Uh, in addition, in addition, 40 millimeter ammunition was seldom mm. effective against vehicles as well armored as the Tiger One heavy tank. From but 19 there is a chance. There is a chance if you hit the roof, I think, but. Um. Yeah. So you could try. Turn the tiger crew into give it a shot. See what happens. Yeah. 
<laughs> the sour uh, from 1944 hurricanes armed with the vickers s served in the southeast asian theater in most cases high explosive ammunition am, uh, high explosive ammunition. ammo was used against road vehicles and river craft assessments carried out in, in southeast asia showed a relatively high level of accuracy an average of 25 percent of shots fired at tanks hit their target by comparison 60 pound RP3 rocket projectiles only hit 5% against tank sized targets. 25% hit their targets? Yeah. You're telling me. What? That's insane. Yeah, they had a higher. <laughs> what? Yeah. Calm, did these things convert? And there's two of them, too. I like, yes. just have to convert. That's why. Okay. God, I, I have a feeling they would have. Yeah. Oh, God. However, 40 mil high explosive rounds were twice as accurate as AP rounds, possibly because the lower weight and higher velocity of the HE round gave it ballistics similar to that of the 303 that we used for sighting. <laughs> Good lord. 25%. <laughs> and yet they still went with the rockets in the end. They should have just made these things bigger. Like, imagine a hurricane carrying four of these. <laughs> yeah, but then. Yeah, you'd have to make it more rigid. The wings are just double the size. HIDF uh, Strike Fighter in 2023 is going to be this, but like you've got two of the, these pods under the wing and two on top of the wing. Yeah. Yeah, to make it more rigid, they <laughs> reverse engineer it back into a biplane. No, do what the Jaguar had and mount sidewinders to the top of the wings. They need to go back to putting hard points on top of the wings. I never know. I don't know why they oh, stopped yes. that. That was cool. Yeah. How many aircraft even had that? Like, I think uh, it was just uh, the Jag. The Lightning the Jag. did. Okay. No, the, oh, yeah, uh, right. the Lightning the did. Electric Lightning that. did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They put rocket pods on the uh, top. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> what? You know what? I bet the reason why they don't do it is because usually the missiles have Bad to fall ass. for a few seconds before the uh, rocket motors ignite. Probably. It would kind of, it would be kind of embarrassing if your sidewinder you launched it and it just kind of falls onto your wing. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to deviate <laughs> from the gloriousness of the Mark II D. Uh, there are some Ugh. smaller run versions. So we have the Mark II E uh, designation was used. Um, Basically, it was similar to uh, Mark IV, but not. They call it the four. The two E was not an early Mark IV, although they're similar. Uh, on the bottom, on the bottom there, you can see the Mark two, the Mark T dot two C Iranian Air Force. That was a two seat training version of the Mark two C. Only two aircraft were built, and that was for the Imperial Iranian Air Force. So it's a it's a hurricane with a with a bubble dome. That's cool. That's really cool. So you had the Mark III Hurricane that was to be so it was to be powered by US built Packard um, Merlin engines, intending to enable supplies for the British built, intending to basically you know Americans could push out even more engines than the British kit did. Uh, but however, by the time that these had started, British Merlin production had increased to a point where they just didn't need it anymore. Uh, there was one final, one major change, and that's in the Mark IV, which is on the top left. 
So this introduced the universal wing design, a simple design that was able to mount the 200 or 250 or 500 pound bombs or two 40 mil Vickers or two 40 mil Rolls-Royce BH type guns, uh, two SBCs or small bomb containers or SCI, smoke curtain installations, as well as drop tanks or eight 60 pounder RP3 rockets. So the Mark IV was basically you could just put whatever you wanted on it. Uh, there was Instead a of build a Barrett's build your fucking loadout. I'd love that. Uh, so there was a Mark V variant, which was the the final, um, but there wasn't. There was about three prototypes for this, uh, but they never really got through to it. It was just basically better engine. That was it. Um, if you see any variants with an X X I X I I. Those are Canadian built. So that one there on the right, that's a Canadian. The Hurricane and, Mark Triple X. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And ba basically, uh, Canadians built along the same lines as the uh, British. They just uh, called them the uh, Mark X, XI, and XII. That's all. And next slide. Please. Yeah, Dennis, you're nothing special. They were the exact same, except they had Timbits in them. <laughs> and they they ran on maple syrup. <laughs> a couple. Oh my, I've built one of these. Yep. Ooh. So, Hurricanes were used as night fighter and intruders. So, following the Battle of Britain, the Hurricane continued to give service through the through the Blitz of 1941. It was the principal single seat night fighter for Fighter Command. Flight Lieutenant Richard Stevens claimed 14 Luftwaffe bombers flying Hurricanes in 1941. In 1942, the cannon-armed Mark IIc performed further afield as a night intruder over occupied Europe. Um, Flight Lieutenant Carol Kutuwasha of one squadron pr proved the top scorer with 15 Luftwaffe bombers claimed shot down. The year 1942 also saw the manufacture of 12 Hurricane II C and F night fighters equipped with pilot-operated air interception Mark IV radar. After a brief operational de deployment with number 245 and 247 squadron, uh, these aircraft proved too slow for operations in Europe and they were sent to India to serve with number 176 squadron in the defense of Calcutta. Uh, they were withdrawn from service in December 1943. I do like the night fighter hurricanes though. These look metal. They are, yeah. What was the one that you built? So I think yeah. I have a feeling I actually built this exact one, BE five hundred, um, and that was an Arma Hobby one to seventy two scale Hurricane. Was that a dedicated night fighter kit, or was that it, it was well, decide? So it had uh, with Arma Hobby, they usually give you about six or seven different uh, versions, and like they have different configurations, so you have to pick which one. This one did have that specific night fighter uh, scheme. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'd actually highly recommend it. It was really nice to do. It had pre-cut canopy masks and whatnot. Callum's oh, already wow. looking on its website. Great hobbies. Oh, wow. Shout out. Where did you yeah, get you it Yeah, you know from? if you worked there. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. If you turned up I'll to work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lazy ass. <laughs> what, Calling him out on the potty. Uh, what, what? You don't want to work on. at Dennis Martin's used tank dealership? Used tank emporium. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 
I've got an Iltis for the mm. collection. Uh, if you go to the next slide. So Ooh. one of the last major events that the uh, Hurricanes are known for is the defense of Malta. So the Hurricane played a significant role in the defense of Malta when Italy entered the war, the war in June 10th of June 1940, Malta's air defense rested on Gloucester Gladiators, Gloucester Gladiators, which managed to hold out against vastly superior num numbers of the Italian Air Force during the following 17 days. Initially, there were six Gladiators, though for a while, only three were able to be flown at any one time because of shortage of spare parts. And for whatever reason, they five different explanations have been given for this, they became known as Faith, Hope, and Charity. <laughs> Four hurricanes joined them at the end of June, and together they faced attacks throughout July from the 200 enemy aircraft based in Sicily with the loss of one gladiator and one hurricane. Further reinforcements arrived on the 2nd of August in the form of 12 more hurricanes and two Blackburn Stewards. Oh, that is a horrible aircraft, the Stewart. Oh, the Stewards are nasty. Wait, yeah. What is the Stewart? I, it sounds familiar, but... It's uh, a failed imagine, dive bomber, I think. Imagine a Stuka, but made by the British. Yeah. What's that wet sound? Oh. <laughs> oh. They don't call it, oh, that's me crazy. Ezra, Ezra, Ezra they don't call it the juice bed for that. nothing. Come on, man. <laughs> the man's working now. Give him a break. Uh, if we go to the uh, next slide. Yeah. <laughs> What is going on here? <laughs> what the hell? It's Mile right. too. So the Soviets. So the Soviets took possession yeah, it's of just Ninja's hurricanes. They didn't like them that much. They already thought them inferior to what they had and what the Germans had. Soviets but, have no taste. Yeah, but they still used them in air defense role. Um, you know, because they didn't have anything else. So, but they didn't, they didn't like them a lot. Um, so they used them, they mainly used them for convoy protection duties, uh, escorts. Um, one thing they did do is if everyone looks at the top right, you'll see a hurricane has been highly modified. What they, what they did with the hurricane was cut out the back part of the spine and put a simple um, canvas sling and mounted a machine gun rearward facing. And they would, use these hurricanes as artillery spotters. So they made a two-seat hurricane with a... Um, I think they usually put in the... What's the uh, machine gun with the uh, pan pancake uh, magazine? It's the DP-28. Oh, I think it's uh, the DP-28. They usually put something like that yeah. in the back just for a uh, attempt at an air defense. And they, they mainly use these variants as artillery spotters. One thing I want to point out, if you look at the hurricane on the left, you'll notice there's something here that I wouldn't mind trying to replicate one day myself. You see, the, you see how they got the star on the underwing? Yep. You can see, if you look closely, the roundel underneath it, mm -hmm. the original oh, marking. Cool. And then oh, on, the, on the fuselage, you can see the bottom of the star, which that's is different. Neat. background of it is being blanked out, which is different to the rest. They've put in... Uh, Soviet markings, but you can see the original British um, serial number on the tail as well. So all they did was get, they got British painted and then just painted over their own stuff, but it's still showing through. I think that's just a, a, a neat note for anyone who wants to try and uh, model one. 
Those are the jankiest modifications. Like the the one with the machine gun, <laughs> yeah. all they really needed was a hand I mean, no, one no one likes an artillery <laughs> fire control vehicle like me. However, <laughs> it does. That is. Oh, that is ghetto. Yeah. Actually, you can probably make a pretty hit my right Eastern Front edition. <laughs> this is literally HIDF. Yeah. Yeah, we we should do that. Thirty five like cuts out jet. the area behind it, <laughs> like oh, the cockpit. <laughs> Puts a DSHK <laughs> in there. Throw a machine gun in there. Uh, if we go to, <laughs> yeah, if we go to the next slide, a canvas. They were also used in the Far East. So here I found uh, this is where um, New Zealand and Australia use them quite a bit uh, in the Pacific. So that's a New Zealand. Hurricane on the left with a very cool nose art. Cobb, you gotta make that just for the nose art. About to say, you're telling me these things fought in the Pacific? Yep, yep. That's I awesome. feel like that nose art could be considered racist nowadays. Uh, actually, not in New Zealand. We don't have cultural appropriation. We are all part of the culture. Oh, that's awesome. It must Imagine be a nice that. having culture. Yeah. That is so. Um, yeah, exactly. Nobody can so, get mad. The Hurricane was used out in the Pacific. Uh, they were outclassed by um, the Zero, the, as well as the Nakajima KI-43 uh, Oscar. Um, I mean, they did, they did the best they could. They, they added on the uh, four extra machine guns to the early ones. Uh, it did make them uh, slower, but... You know, not as good, but yeah, they they still did pretty well. I mean, the the fact that the hurricane could take a lot of punishment and you know didn't require a proper landing strip and all of that does make it pretty uh, pretty good for the uh, the Far East. You know, so because you know that's one thing that they weren't known for was nice long flat runways. So they they did their best. They did their best. Uh, the Dutch forces in Java used them quite a bit. Um, but yeah, if we go to the next one, Ooh, yeah. oh, yeah. also... you guys, you guys drool over the Mark two D, the sea hurricane oh. is so much better. So, yep. They did turn hurricanes into naval fighters. Uh, they awesome. first, so they first started, uh, as just single use escort carrier. So you see the top left. They used a catapult and ramp system, and just basically, they were they were one-time use aircraft. There was no way to land them, so they just ditched them in the sea next to the boat, and the pilot got picked up. Fuck that! What an um, absolute flex! Yeah, we've got so many hurricanes. We're just gonna make them into disposable aircraft. What the hell? Yeah. That really <laughs> is That's a perfect yeah. HIDF. So, but later on, so the Sea Hurricane became operational in mid 1941. So. That was kind of before they became official Sea Hurricanes. They just used standard Mark 1s. Um, <laughs> yeah, this will yeah. take off. Yeah, Don't worry about flies. it. <laughs> so Sea Hurricane, <laughs> Hurricane became operational in mid-1941 and scored its first kill while operating from HMS Furious on 35th of July 1941. During the next three years, Fleet Air uh, Navy Sea Hurricanes were to feature predominantly while operating from Royal Navy aircraft carriers. The Sea Hurricane scored an impressive kill-to-loss ratio, primarily while defending Malta convoys and operating from escort carriers in the Atlantic Ocean. 
For example, on the 26th of May 1944, Royal Navy Sea Hurricanes operating from the escort carrier HMS Nairana claimed the, descri- claimed the destruction of three JU-290 reconnaissance aircraft d- during the convoy def- uh, defence. So the, the, there's quite a few marks. So you had the Sea Hurricane Mark 1A. Um, so these were mod- so these were uh, modified Mark ones to be used by cam ships, catapult armed merchantmen. So those were the uh, ditching ones. Then you had the Mark B, which had a arrestor hook for operating on HMS Furia, uh, Furious. You had the Mark One C, which uh, just had better Merlin engines, uh, and the Mark Two C, which had the twenty mils. So, yeah, pretty good naval fighters. And actually, they they were better suited for um, aircraft carriers than the Seafire were, primarily because of the undercarriage. Because um, we know the Seafire and Spitfire, the undercarriage was very narrow and very thin, whereas the Hurricane is wider, opens out wide. It's got a nice, strong base on it. So Hurricanes actually made better naval fighters then sea fires. And last but not least, the Finnish used them. The, the Ooh, Finnish. Swatska, uh, but not the right one. <laughs> of, cor- of course. Yeah, so the, he picks up on that. Yeah. So one thing about the Finnish forces is they're very weird. It's like they, uh, they're fighting against the Soviets who are allied with the Allies. They're backed by the Nazis, but they were supplied by the Allies because they weren't really, like, you know, it's a bit of a weird thing. They're fighting everyone. Yeah. It's (laughs) complicated. The Finnish were just basically fighting everyone and telling them to fuck off out. So leave us alone. (laughs) Uh, So during the Winter War, Finnish Finnish Air Force were in dire need of modern fighters and sourced them from several countries, including the United Kingdom. Finland bought 12 Hurricanes, and the delivery commenced on 2nd of February 1940. Um, so the first batch arrived on twi- the 29th of February, the last, and the last one arrived on the 10th of March. Uh, during the second batch flight, two Hurricanes were lost, one crashing in Norway, and the other one being damaged during landing. So... At the start of the Continuation War, on 25th of June 1941, the Hurricanes were allocated to LLV-30, which is a squadron number. On 2nd of July 1941, a Hurricane was mistakenly shot down by friendly anti-aircraft fire. Oops. Uh, The Finnish Hurricanes first saw combat on 3rd of July, when three Hurricanes encountered several Soviet fighters and shot down an I-153 Chaika. And the next day, the Hurricane shot down a Tupolev SB bomber. Another in, other encounters with Soviet aircraft took place on 15th of July, uh, with two I-153s claimed to be shot down. The last aircraft shot down by Finnish Hurricanes was an I-15 on 6th of January 1942. Yeah, so the Finns used a few of them. Uh, didn't use them for long, but, you know, they look cool. I like the Finnish camouflage. I agree. Mm, so do I. And yeah, it's the roundel's more, pretty interesting. Yeah. There is one more that I want to talk about. One more thing. Uh, Polish 
So Polish number 303 squadron. Out of all the squadrons flying Hawker Hurricanes, Polish number 303 ended up with the highest uh, kill score during the Battle of Britain. Um, out of the 16 total po Polish squadrons with the RAF, they claimed the largest number of aircraft shot down of all 66 LIDF fighter squadrons. So wow. they claimed a grand total of 124 for the loss Holy of shit. 126 kills in six weeks with the loss of 18 hurricanes, which gives them the highest highest kill to loss ratio of 2.8 to oh. 1. They're on the top of the leaderboard. They really are. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think they were upset that they invaded their country. Funny thing is, so that was their claim. Um, if you go by other claims by the British and the Germans, it was a lot less. But even going by those numbers, they were still the highest ranking in all kills. The uh, number 303 squadron was the best Hurricane squadron out there. They were really good. I know, right? Yeah. Why would you guys. listen to yeah. the British or the Germans? Uh, if you go to the next... Yeah. Slide, I think this should be... Oh, and just a quick word on this guy, Douglas Bader. Uh, an interesting character. Yeah. <laughs> He's posh as hell. <laughs> Look at that guy. Yeah. That's Ezra with his, new, with his new Bluetooth glasses. Believe it or not, um, he has false legs. Those, the legs that, he's, that he has sitting on the hurricane are not real. Um, from the above the knee. Yeah, he lost his lost his legs before the war in a flying accident, uh, but he still insisted on learning how to fly, and he still flew Hurricanes during the Battle of Britain. Uh, in fact, he had he had one uh, after after a sortie flying back. He used to open his uh, cockpit and then smoke a uh, smoke a pipe on his way back. Um, it was reported his wingman gave him a wide berth when he did that because there would be uh, usually vapors coming off the engine, you know, fuel vapors. And uh, uh, they weren't yeah. sure if it would blow up or not. <laughs> my fucking idiot. My um, man was smoking the jewel. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Eventually, he was shot down uh, and captured <laughs> by the Germans, uh, where he continued to be a pain in the ass for them. He lost one of his false legs on the when he bailed out. So they actually respected him enough from his <laughs> from his pre-war flying antics. That they managed to get to green light a bombing run where the British dropped one of his spear prosthetic legs to him. Oh my uh, god! Subsequent, That's awesome. Subsequently, he became a pain <laughs> in the ass because he tried to escape about four times, usually just walking out. Um, eventually, the Germans took his legs away from him, but he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, but the resulting um, backlash from the uh, rest of the prisoners, they gave him back, which immediately he tried to escape again. So he was eventually sent to hold it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Fuck it, send the bastard home. Yeah, yeah. he's a uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So fucking legend. And I if love we go to guy. the last slide, this guy's so cool. And there's just a few models. There's about airfix do about Ooh, ten models. There we go. Ten kits oh, of the uh, Hurricane, but I think they're just like patriotically bound to British, you know. And then Tamiya have a Mark One, which I wouldn't mind building. Yeah. Uh, of course, you got Ravel with their one to thirty second scale and a Tallery. 
So I don't think that kit's released yet. The uh, thirty second skill. No, it's still coming out. Yeah, it it looks decent. I remember I there know. was. Yeah, we already uh, we covered that one. Did yeah. we yeah, cover we did. that there one? Was, there was an did we cover that though, one in another episode? Like they showed yeah. like CAD okay. renderings or some or a test shot of the cockpit, and apparently they got a lot of things wrong. Um, Imagine but, my shock. Yeah, but they uh, that sucks. They correct. They did correct them though. They they have <laughs> corrected everything apparently. So it's supposed to be a really good kit. I think there was a problem with the wings as well. Yeah, I think there was a slight like there was a shape change or something like that. I don't know. Well, it's a tallery. You think Ravel is going to try to rebrand what, themselves? A decent, decent kit? Into which <laughs> Ravel? A decent, decent model? Yeah, Shut a decent up. company? <laughs> I will not tolerate that here. Have, no, it's have not. Have you built their um, 148 it's skill B24 Liberator? Ezra? You did? Why would I? Oh, oh wait, actually, I have. I, I, I think no I have it, it actually. <laughs> it's pretty decent. Is it good? Oh, I got it. A valve retailer. <laughs> you know what really makes me sad? <laughs> there are like one or two decent models of the Hurricane out there, and everything else is either Airfix with their trench, trench deep panel lines, or Italiary with their. Uh, Italian this, and then you've got Ravel, which just refuses to make anything right. Well, I guess they'd see like the twenty. I have seen the, kits and decide the not to bother, one of the thirty-two right? scale kits really good for it, though. Oh, apparently so. I mean, Dennis, Is would it? you prefer raised panel lines or deep recessed? Deep. Okay, you know what? I want to say yeah, that. Same. No, deep, I'm say yeah. raised, deep you raised, can fill them with paint. At least you can then use the raised panel yeah. lines as basically a, a guide for where you have to scribe them, right? You can make them realistic, then just sand them off. If you've got deep panel lines, what are you going to do? Fill them up with putty or sprugu? What kind of a chump are you? You're sounding like one of those. Yeah. No, you're sounding like one of those guys who layer that shit up for uh, being too good. That's what, what you're sounding like. No, I hate on Airfix because their panel lines in real life would, like, in one to one scale, they would be, like, two feet deep. <laughs> Inaccurate. The wings aren't even two feet thick. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here. saying, I'd, I'd go for the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wings do just floating wings. <laughs> okay, Dennis, as someone who builds vintage kits out of, uh, quote, fun, um, I would take deep trenches over raised panel lines any day because I keep <clears> sanding the bastards off when I have to correct things. So, I'd... yeah, yeah. take it from true. the expert. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. I bow I, in, I can in the face of superior too. opinion. <laughs> and that's it for the hurricane, I think. <laughs> Somehow managed to get through that without. I think my that head. might be our. I think that might be right. our longest one yet. Two hours. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. gonna edit that. I'm, I might edit that it's one. It's been down. a fun one though. <laughs> no. No, you leave it all in. We gotta give the people their New Year's present. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> They're raw, uncut, and oh, cut. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a well yeah. there's your problem episode. Well, on that note, uh let's have an intermission. Yes. 
Monster back. <laughs> All right, let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Autoloader Decals. Have you wandered around the shelves of your local hobby store and found that perfect model kit? Great tooling, fun to build, and look, you remember seeing the subject. Perhaps it was a truck in the ubiquitous white UN paint scheme in the newspaper, or maybe it was a Sherman tank from your local armor unit. Everything is lining up for a fantastic new project, one with a more interesting connection to yourself, instead of a project derived from a history book. Then you open the kit, and there are none of those specific markings to be found. Water slide decals really put the final touch on a model, and unfortunately for the model maker, most kit manufacturers won't put too much time into designing decals that produce a finished model in anything but its most stereotypical form. That's why Autoloader Decals exists. It is their sincere hope that you'll be able to find as much enjoyment using these special water slides as they have. Autoloader Decal pro products are primarily focused on Canadian subjects, but in general if you're looking for markings that represent vehicles from lesser known parts of modern history, chances are you might just be able to find something worth trying. The water slide decals are printed through an inkjet printer and sealed with a high quality varnish to ensure their strength on the model. Unlike most other water slides, these decals only need to be submerged for a few seconds and can be placed right onto the model. They are incredibly tough and won't yellow over time. For an added benefit, decals intended for 1 to 35 scale are treated with a special varnish that gives a subtle, painted on look that's both in scale and more realistic than other brands offerings. All the products currently in production are listed in the store page. If you have a custom design you would like to order, the best way of making this order is to send an email through the contact page. Generally, the cost of a custom order will be 40-50% to 50 higher than any products that are in stock to account for labour. Also, as a special deal, if you, have, if you are ordering a set of custom decals and you mention the Micro Machines podcast, you will receive a free exclusive MMP Pinju decal with your order. So next time you're looking to build a specific or unique vehicle, look towards Autoloader decals. Just go to www.autoloadermodels.ca for all your water slide decal needs. And now, back to the show. Well, shall we discuss the hobby news on that note? I, I think, I think we're done. Sure. I don't care if Ezra mm. is... I'm back, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> That's fucking wild. Okay. As yeah, we should. Foul. Okay, let's just, just get into hold it. On. Okay, yeah, we'll just ignore him. So, oh my god, I've had to, I've had to con condense this down quite a bit uh, <laughs> because there's been a lot coming. So this is, so good old Ravel is releasing their 72nd P2000. Uh, this is literally just a rebox of their 2001 kit. Oh my god. <laughs> Look! Oh, Welcome what? to Ukraine! Oh my god, yeah, my, I my... really want to build this. It's from 2001. Um, yeah. So? It's a good <laughs> kit. Is it? I do appreciate their box art. That's pretty. That's pretty the box art's kind of nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, would your artillery get that close? But, okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, it would. In Ukraine, it would. U Ukrainian, Ukrainian howitzer doctrine is to shoot the uh, T 72 point blank. <laughs> yeah. So you guarantee you don't miss. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So it's just 2001. My guess is they'll probably include Ukrainian markings. That's just my guess. What um, an awful kit. Yeah. Next. Uh, uh, kinetic. I mean, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, uh, so this is in 48th, I believe, the RF-5A Freedom Fighter. 
That's a nice camera. Yeah. yeah, it looks good. Is it something to get excited about? Don't no. know. No. It doesn't make my PP hard. <laughs> I mean, still soft. <laughs> I mean, it's a good kit for if you want to do a Horizon Island, but that's about it. That's true. Yeah, Put, yeah, yeah. just make like, it crashed. Pinned you all over the side. Yeah. I mean, you know the rules. If you don't want to build it normally, make it Horizon Island. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Next up. Uh, I saw oh, this. Yeah. Sick. I saw this by awesome. Blitz. It's just called the Yellow Cruise Set. Um, it's got a film oh, crew on it. I know. I just saw the vehicle and it's like, I don't know what it is, but we need it. Who the hell is moving around so much? Yeah. Fuck, I just dropped the pie on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I can see chunks of mold on your pie. (laughs) I can smell it from here. Foul. (laughs) Oh, dear. But yeah, so that's just a half track. AFV Ooh. Club are releasing oh, an M34 40mm GMC, so it's just a half standard half-track with a 40mm Bofors gun on the back. Looks oh, does it have sick. a realistic rubber band tracks? It better. Yeah, it better. Actually, that, actually that's the thing. They sh- it shouldn't be individual links or anything. It's... Who the hell is making all Who that noise? Who is Ezra. Ezra, that I will Ezra. kill you. Ezra, clean up your pie. I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Okay. The pie the has been eaten. Get put some shit in your room. <laughs> get, get get some soundproofing. I don't know. Jesus, you need your mic even. The closet yeah. was soundproof. Uh, we'll go back go. in. <laughs> go back in. Go what back. Uh, in, anyway, so that hey, that's actually whatever. that's kind of an in, interesting Ooh. thing. You, you can't really do individual links for. <laughs> This is chaotic as fuck. That's right. <laughs> Learn to mute yourself. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. We're trying to be professional. I really continuously mute him until he... Uh... <laughs> oh my That's god. That's fucking horrible. Uh, hey, Callum, uh, on, the, on that... AFE Club have yeah, track. Go back, go back. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, okay, yes. Fine. Oh. Yeah. So whenever, whenever that comes out, or whenever it's fully released and they have pictures of the sprues for like reviews, do you mind sending that to me? We yep. could cover that in that. an episode. We might as well just have it in again because cool. I don't know. Yeah, but that, that's funny thing is that's like the only vehicle if you put rubber band tracks that it's technically the right one right type of track <laughs> exactly so but knowing afv club they won't have that it'll, it'll be, be like ten, individual it'll link. Be 10 parts per link yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh another fun fact canadian m113s uh you should be using vinyl tracks for yeah yep because huh. the uh, tracks on canadian m113s are rubber but they're made out of crushed walnuts Right, what that's right. Fuck? Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Go next. So this is from Tacon, the T fifty five AD. So ooh, ooh. that's I don't know what awesome. it is. That's pretty so nice that's, as long as it's not too expensive. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, I would buy it. So T fifty five with a hard kill APS system. We talked about this in our uh, APS episode way back when. Oh, you're that right. Was that was one of our yep, first yep, episodes, air, wasn't it? Where it shoots a literal airborne torpedo in the general direction of whatever's coming at it, and the torpedo like 
has a proximity fuse, and it's got, I think, like a kilogram of TNT in it. I feel yeah. sorry so for supporting him. Where, where was this particular 55 AD used at? Mm. Nowhere. Never saw active like uh, combat, I believe. Really? Maybe so he, oh, yeah. That's why Tycon's making it. <laughs> <laughs> it's another paper painter. Garrison, this is the, the HIDF, like the HIMC can afford one. Yes. Except yeah. you throw that onto just some random vehicle. And, and they use the draws to APS as an offensive weapon, not even as a defensive weapon. I'm going to put that on my uh, <laughs> our, Beetle. Are TACOMs T55s, do they have individual track links? or? Oh, it's TACOM. They will. Yeah, yes, I, yeah, they do. Okay. Really? I thought TACOM was uh, link and link. No. It depends. I think the early ones were mostly uh, indie link, but they've gone towards link and link now. I've built two TACOM, and they've both been individual. Hmm. Yeah. So, if we go next, uh, this is by Hobby2000. Yes, they have a Bruce, Brewster Buffalo in 70 seconds. Maybe, Dennis, you can have another another try at a Brewster Buffalo. Fuck off. <laughs> I, think there's some, I think there's some blood there. It's a goofy-ass uh, aircraft, and I hate it. I love it. <laughs> it's I love cute. That thing's cool. You know what really pissed me off about the Tamiya kit? What? Half the parts had raised panel lines and half of them were engraved. <laughs> <laughs> that would annoy the shit out of me too. That sucks. <laughs> I bet uh, those so, look pretty good actually. Sil- Silver Buffalo is cool. I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally built one. <clears throat> so oh. this is a Vargas scale model. This is my new mm. favorite company because they do the real weird and interesting. So this is a Vickers number one tank. It's it's amazing. What the fuck? Vargas is hitting the sauce too, apparently. <laughs> Ezra, you, you need to get him on the podcast, man. You need to. He said yeah. he'll come on in a few weeks. And Did he? Hopefully, I should be getting one of these soon. Oh, man. Uh, Ezra, please make it HIDF. Put a Thomas on it. It's the oh, soup ladle of a tank. <laughs> I don't think he would send him any more kits. <laughs> this thing is just. What the hell? Rip the turd off and put in a mortar. Are those yeah, are those like vents in the side? What's going on there? Well, those no, are that's mud. Um, mud. Oh, mud. Okay, yeah. yeah. On the Matilda. Right, right. Yeah. To be honest, if when Vargas comes on, I'll be like almost sucking them off just trying to get kits off them. Like, oh, oh we all does the password. We all. He will. does like he literally <laughs> makes the exact time period that I like to model. Inner war. He, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna have like a little harem with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna send a restraining order to all of us. <laughs> uh, I just saw this, just as a you oh know exactly what. Oh my god! HIDF what is hell. Look at that. <laughs> so this is by uh, Thunder Model in 35th scale, a US armored tractor, four in one kit. It's just, I just, it's just a tractor with a box armor on the uh, seat, and it Dude, looks that, amazing. That would be happened. perfect for like a Guadalcanal diorama when they're oh, you're right. an attack. Yeah, yeah. It just looks awesome. Yeah, no, that's half of all of HIDF forces, just those tractors. Yeah. Horizon yeah. Islands Marine Corps armored infantries. They're not uh, BMPs, they're these. They have their <laughs> individual tractors. You, sh- you yeah. like go over a hill and there's 500 of them coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> they, they know they won't get right? bogged down. A few of them have tow missiles on the front. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Mount of 50. 
some of them have contact on the sides of the like two millimeter thick plate. Yeah. <laughs> Get a bulldozer kit on the front. Minesweeper. Oh god. <laughs> uh, um, ICM are releasing a lot. Uh, oh. So they are, oh wow! That's oh yes. So in order, they are releasing an AH1G Arctic Cobra. A what's the one top middle? Uh, I don't know, but I like it. I want it. Zwilling Sockel. Zwilling Sockel. <laughs> so German four wheel drive with a with twin, twin machine MG guns 34. on it. That looks cool. You have the crew of a Stugner. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um. They are releasing a K, KI21, um, was that no, KI211A Sally, Japanese heavy bomber, which I really want. Didn't and we cover that one before? The Sally? I think, I think they've released like two of them now. I'm not sure. I just recognize the background in the art. I don't yeah. Know. I think the last one they released had a white camouflage scheme. You might be right. This yeah, this camo looks really cool though. I love the it does, I love it, it when camos are outlined with like white or black. It's it intricate. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they also have an American Expeditionary Forces in Europe, nineteen eighteen. So both Ooh, for nice. both the crew of the Stagna and the Americans, they mm. are also releasing uh, paint packs for them. So oh. color, color packs. Oh, nice! What, what an absolute I, mix. Putin tried to invade this country, and yet here the Ukrainian companies are churning out more kits than they did prior to the war. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Dude, I want that American Expeditionary Forces from World War One and yeah. the Armed Forces of Ukraine. And I want ATG the and- Zwilling thing. That thing looks yeah. cool. And then also they have in 35th scale a. This is Sky Train, is it? The Skorsky Sky Train. Yes, that thing That's is in 35th? Massive. Yeah. That's yeah, thirty fifth. Oh, That'd be massive. Fun fact: the uh, the sky the sky cream was actually that exact helicopter was used to do the final assembly on the CN Tower in Toronto. Was it actually? I, it was uh, for the free pour. They actually used these for the because the CN Tower is one single free pour structure of concrete. They right. used these to pour the concrete. Oh, that's neat. I I didn't know that. Thirty fifth scale CN Tower with uh, <laughs> with a sky crane. It's just like a story toll <laughs> made out of real concrete. You just can't move it. I think it would actually be like something like three stories tall. It'd scale. be tall. Yeah. 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 So ICM are releasing a lot and well, <sighs> uh, but yes. a couple of interesting things. So they're re-releasing that B24D Liberator. Um, really good kit. I wouldn't mind it just for the decal that it's got. It's got that big nose out on it. It, it looks cool. Uh, okay, that is nice. Yeah. Or you could just have Dennis make you some. Actually, that would probably be the easiest decal I could ever make you because you have to cut out the square outline anyways. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. Um, you just get an image and print it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just so, take a ruler. Yeah. So they also, because Ravel have a partnership with uh, Star Wars, don't they? So they release. Uh, so they're they releasing the Mandalorian and the Child. I'm yeah, sorry, all of these the look like toys. They all look like toys. I like that like Trabant toys. though. The Trabant's all right. The Trabant's. Yeah. I would. Yep, they got a Trabant um, one to twenty-four. That's like the only car I'd want to make as a model. Well, look at Maybe all like need... that graffiti stuff on the side. That'd be so sick. Yep. Also, in forty-eighth is their their Apache. Everyone's releasing a bloody Apache now. 
that Apache doesn't even... I've seen images of it. That thing does not actually look like a model. No? What does it look like? Uh, it, so you know that snap-tight Apache that Ravel makes? Oh my yeah. god. Ew. And I'm not saying this because I hate on Ravel. I'm saying this because I've legitimately like seen test builds of it. It looks so like a slightly more detailed version of that. So you're saying they just got rid of the snaps? They, they, that, that is basically a way of putting it, yeah. That's <laughs> Dude, okay, but look, they're... No, uh, don't you think Here comes you Ezra trying to defend him. Their B24 is a really good kit. Like, it has race panel lines, but other than that, it's really good. No, no, that's horrible, Ezra. That's <laughs> like one of the biggest details. <laughs> I just muted his ass. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> Yeah, it's an amazing kit. It has a raised panel. <laughs> <laughs> Mediocre as fuck. <gasps> uh, and then uh, on the right-hand side, you have the... Um, it's a half-track with a 37 flat 43 on it. That's straight and up a model kit. <laughs> That's okay, a toy. Ezra unmute, Ezra, unmute yourself. I need you to explain something you sent in Sexy Armor. Oh, I was Uh-oh. muted. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. See. <laughs> this man's talking okay, about yes. how good as uh, Ravel is. <clears throat> what the fuck? I want. I one. love it. I love it. What? Oh what? my god! Going sexy armor. I'm going. Oh god, that's HIDF. That is the most Holy HIDF shit. I've ever seen. Look at how Ezra, oh you need a beard, dude. An entire, awesome. so, an entire Soviet ar- armored like company gets taken out by one of these. Anyway, who was the Yeah, and yes. we have Hobby Boss. <laughs> so, oh, uh, Hobby Boss. Ew, they nice. are releasing in 35th a BM21 and a Scammel. The Scammel looks I would awesome. like the Scammel. Like the Scammel's like right. This one, can, I, I, I wish it a very pleasant death. <clears throat> Why? I want Russia to be divided up like West, West and East Germany. <laughs> well, you, you do know that Ukraine uses those too, right? Yeah, well, it's alright, but look. Okay, get different decals, Dennis. Paint it different. No, I won't use decals. I'll just paint it. Yeah, paint over it. Yeah, paint over it. Yes. Put the decal on and paint over it. Lost. Actually, yeah, it's actually not a bad idea. That is okay. You know what? Hobby Boss is playing the long game here. <laughs> yeah, I want it. They know what yeah. they're doing. It's nice. All right, next. Uh, mix up. Well, oh fuck! Get that what's going on here. here. So the only other tutor kit is the horrible one to seventy-two skill Hobbycraft one from like nineteen seventy-one. Yeah, and. Kinetic are finally blessing their mans in Canada up with a two forty eight. So scale. it's kinetic that okay. And this is this was from the same uh round of rumors that came out earlier, yeah, right? So so guys, we know for a fact that the rumors are true, which means Taffy, Iltis, and Coyote. Yes. Fuck yeah. So this just confirms it. So you know what? You know that hey, guy scale scriber on Instagram? The guy who yeah. literally like scribes every single thermal tile of his space shuttle into an old monogram yeah. kit. Yeah. So yes. he apparently did the riveting work on this. Oh. Oh wow. So you know this That's is gonna, gonna be, be good. good. 
Okay. I, I, Jack, you, you and I have to do a play. I'm getting build this. On this 100%. I, I appreciate like Kinetic knows that they're shooting fish in a barrel with this because like every single Canadian modeler is going to buy one whether they like it or not. Yeah, that's for sure. Don's going to buy like six. Do, Don's going to have like a stack of them that's bigger than what uh, the hobby store has. <laughs> He's just going to walk in, pick up the whole stack, and go, mine. <laughs> He's gonna, Don's gonna be at the front of Wheels and Wings outside the store, sell it, reselling them, scalping <laughs> <laughs> the tuner. What an attractive aircraft! I really hope they do a Snowbird's uh, paint scheme. For attractive? It. The pitch is ugly. It's not ugly. Shut, shut Mute him. your bitch! <laughs> I will. You're getting voted off. <gasps> And that's how he was kicked out of the uh, podcast. <laughs> we never heard from him again. <laughs> Greg, how could you say that? Look at it. It's beautiful. I don't know what it's, you're talking about. It's like, it's like a pug. It's ugly cute. It's wide. There's nothing I mean, wrong with being wide. Yeah, it's just the Canadian version of the A6. Exactly. Garrison, these fly harder than any Marine Corps aircraft ever could think of doing. Why? Why are you using that as a counter? I I could give a fuck about Marine Corps aircraft, Dennis. Didn't think of that one. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. of that one. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, didn't, think, didn't think that one. Through, I, 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 I will say they look a hell of a lot better with paint on them. I thought they were going to be this huge monstrosity of an aircraft. Like, oh, it will be, but in a good way. In a good no, way. no, no. I I didn't have the I didn't have the screen up all the way. And so, looking at the cockpit, and then looking at the plane on the slides, I thought it was going to be like the size of like a C-47 or something. <laughs> That's why I said it looked like an ugly ass aircraft. Oh that actually, that does look pretty dope as fuck. Give people Dennis, who don't... Yes? Dennis, do you yes. know what I just found for, I think, $50? What? What'd you find? A ResiCast Iltus. What? What? Yeah, we'll get it. Show me. Send it. Put it in podcast planning. Hold on. So Garrison, just as a uh, way to understand it, so these were built in the 1960s. They are still flying in full condition today. Like they just make spare parts for them. They, I, uh, I remember back in. Wow. I was in eighth grade. They were holy shit. That's beautiful. Uh, I saw them fly over my school. Yeah, they do. Uh, cool. They fly over my school as well were, sometimes. Yeah, they were doing like training for a show, and they flew right over. So, like Ezra, get it to give I, people who don't sure. know about the Tudor perspective. So, these are basically all like two hundred percent spare parts at this point, and their yeah. favorite maneuver with them is to fly two of these at each other, like literally right nose to nose, and at the last moment pull away. They're HIDF as hell. <laughs> They're these would be aftermarket. HIDF. I Man. love them. They're so I, beautiful. I think I have to buy that Iltus right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder if y'all buy it, goddammit. But then the so but then the other kit might come out. Uh, it probably would. We'll get it the will. other one. See, Dennis, you go on about the uh, Tudor. Just wait till I uh, finish my CF100. Fuck it, I'll just get oh, the Oh, I'm so happy that you got that, Callum. <laughs> I really am. You're going to do it justice. Oh, whips. So. There we go. Okay. 
So I think we've had quite. I've I myself have five work in progress. So Jesus yeah. Christ, man! I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, you wow. have, my man. All right, so starting off with old old Greg. Uh, top left, I finished organizing my uh, modeling basement. Uh, it's a lot cleaner and it's organized, so I can actually do shit. Like right now, I've been building the Tamiya Falk Wolf. Um, pretty dope. Then top Great center is. Do I literally do, bro? Like, fucking two thirds of this basement is mine. The pleasure <laughs> room. <laughs> uh, top center is my the current status of my Battle of the Bulge group build two five one diorama. It's beautiful. Very Thank nice. You. And then the rest of those pictures there are the interior after just after I gave it an oil wash on certain things in the panel lines. I got a question. Uh, yeah. What's up? How'd you do the tree? It looks really good. Yeah. Uh, that is actually one my mother bought me from Etsy when I first got into the hobby. Really? Oh, nice. But so cool. I can tell you exactly how the dude made it. He got a dowel rod little yeah. wooden rod, uh, used a knife, shaped the top of it to be slightly spiked, uh, okay. and then he got, uh, what's that shit called? Uh, you can get it from like Hobby Lobby. Is it like, like uh, moss type stuff? Yeah, pr- yeah, pretty much. And then he just like gets a layer of it, makes it flat, lets it dry out and then he glued it on and he did really? like seven or eight layers of that and that's all that is it looks good oh it does like, it looks amazing wow and yeah it's i'm glad i have them that's uh my, i had five of them and my cat ate two of them last <laughs> night, the night before. so uh yeah i think it was ezra i think that was on with me when that happened i was a little yeah. upset <clears throat> but uh Sweet. Yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed doing the inside of this half track. Not done with the inside yet. Got to wait for Vallejo mud to come in. But I also, good. I mean, I got to uh, listen to when <coughs> Garrison was trying to put the sides up, the walls up, the tracks on. That was a lot of fun <laughs> to listen to. Oh god, it was killing me. You said it was well, Academy Dragon. Uh, dragon. <laughs> oh, he, he had to he had to ping Floki on the server to get his help on it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh, I was going man, crazy. So. I was like, "Fuck, dude, it's just not working." Well, man. you know what? Good on you for powering through it, Garrison. <clears throat> I'm glad I did. Give me some more confidence in building. Yeah, I love the rust effects. They look cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Also, those seats—they're hard to get right because I'm doing an interior panther right now. The mm-hmm. yeah, the getting the. Uh, the fine line between the cage of the seat and the padding is difficult, so good job on that. Thank you. I think the next slide has more interior pictures, I think. Uh, no, just a Guess not. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> uh, so this one shows off the figures and their placement for the diorama. Then the top left gives an idea of exactly <laughs> what my entry, or not entry, but my Battle of the Bulge, yeah, entry is uh, based off of was a few 
Grenadier Brigade. They're going to be sitting at their line of departure before they assault the 80th Division at Herderschneid. Oh, however the fuck you say that. Uh, and it was like a half a mile, a quarter to half a mile from their line of departure to where they got killed. So hmm. it's like minutes before they step off. Nice. And then I'm um, the Tamiya Falkwolf, um, which I'm working on now. And then the uh, supply unit and kitten craft rad, whatever the fuck, that'll be turned into a diorama. Cool. You know, I do like the fact on that the Tamiya kit, they literally use the exact same aircraft from the kit. In that's the, true. Uh, I didn't notice that. Oh, yep, that's up? why I got the. Uh, I was looking, I saw that uh, the kitten craft one. I was like, you know what? If they have. A Tamiya version plane, I'll get it. And lo and behold, the third F one hundred nine I saw was uh, was that one. So that, that's that's, an, that's actually a nice touch, you know. It, it is because cool. then well because then you look and go, well, it's the exact same aircraft, so it will work just like this diorama. That yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And the great thing about Tamiya, like everyone knows, they have like five or six different like. Uh, fucking uh decal layouts so you don't have to do the box art one but i mean like why wouldn't you in my opinion the box art one hits hard oh it does it's really nice and then there's one more i think uh nope callum yep. take it away oh. so this is my battle of the bulge group build room bear so far <coughs> so i've done the uh whitewash and the chipping and weathering of the top and i've just started on the uh lower chassis doing the mud and slush effects i did lose one of my return rollers so i've had to make a spare one out of my actually my mark four tadpole kit the road wheel is similar looks similar enough to the uh Roomba one so i just use that slightly smaller uh, and it's got a different, slightly different design on the front, but once you chuck a bit of mud and slush on it, you don't notice a thing. So, right on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I got all those, the details and stuff done. I'm really, I'm actually really happy on how the weathering came out on, especially oh, on the absolutely. roof. It's nice. Yeah, how'd you do that whitewash? Like what, what was your process on that? Uh, so the way I did it is I, so I coated the entire thing. So I did the summer camo underneath, uh, covered it all in chipping fluid, and then I use I use enamel paint. A lot of people for chipping use acrylic. I like to use enamel because um, that way, especially for a whitewash, you have different types of chipping. If you look on photos and stuff, you have one that's like a sort of more wearing out, sort of blended, faded, fuzzy look. You know, it's a lot softer. And then oh. you have the hard chips of where things have knocked it, knocked it off and scratched it and stuff like that. So there's there's a combination. So I find enamel is the best. So I spray the whole thing enamel uh, using Tamiya White. And then I use uh, Terps, you know, thinner and a paintbrush and just sort of blend out um, areas that I want. Then I can go through with the chipping fluid afterwards and create harsher chips in it. Hmm. Did, did so, you say that you seal the summer camo first or did you not? Uh, seal it and then, so sealed it with uh, clear coat, then chipping fluid, then put the enamel on top. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So Sweet. Yeah, 
So the uh, Barumba is looking pretty good right now. I don't think I'll make a base for it. I don't think I'll have the time knowing how long I take making a base. But, yeah. Well, it's looking great, man. Yeah, love it. So, go next. Oh, yes. Oh, look at that. <laughs> ah! My man. So this was a 12-hour build. Uh, this is the... Pioneer 2 Hawker Sea Fury, an absolutely diabolical kit, like it sucked a lot. Uh, weird thing about this, uh, the texture of the plastic feels like it's got primer on it. It's got, you know, that sort of text, rough textured feel? That's cool, actually. Can you just use yeah. it without primer? That's what I did. I actually painted it without primer. and it, uh, That's the one good thing I'll give about the kit is the fact you don't need to use primer and the paint just goes on so easily. Huh. That's one. That's that's good marks for that one. <clears throat> but otherwise, um, not the best. The decals are yellow to fuck and broke up a lot. Uh, yeah. So there's no decals on the underwing because those ones completely and utterly destroyed themselves. But otherwise, I mean, it's not the worst I've built this year. So yeah, and we'll get oh, into that really later. Good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yep, foreshadowing much. But for, like, I literally built it in what twelve hours, so start to finish. Yeah, nice. Ooh. And this is what I'm currently working on. This is my Horizon Island Air Force. Yes. So this is a uh, KM Models Mig nineteen that I picked up for like ten bucks. So what I'm going to be doing for this is it's going to I'm going to paint it in the original Czechoslovakian camo with the decals, the silver, and the red. Then I'm going to put chipping fluid all over the top of it, and then paint it a Horizon Island disc uh, camo with uh, roundel and whatnot. And then I'm going to chip it away at it, so you can start seeing the silver, the red, the maybe some of the decals, the original markings underneath it. So it looks like it's just surplus that they've got and they've tried to cover over it. That's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, so hopefully it comes out right. This one's actually going to be a YouTube video as well. So that's oh, what sweet. I'm trying to do is revive the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, nice. So that's awesome. one, two, three, oh, four. Man. So this one is finally released on YouTube. So this is the trench base for my Mark IV Tadpole. Finally finished and great yeah. work dude yeah pretty happy with it um i did almost have one big disaster with the resin um i the only resin i could i had was polyester resin mm. and i thought i sealed the styrofoam as much as possible like it's got like three layers of acrylic and whatnot uh there was a pin prick that's not, that the uh polyester resin got into and there's a large hole underneath it that's melted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't show sucks. that in the video, but, you know, um, and this thing, the resin got so hot, it, I had a sheet of acrylic um, covering it, you know, as a dam. Mm -hmm. It might have started melting it. Oh my it God. was so hot. I put an ice cube on top of the resin and it melted <laughs> the ice cube in about two minutes. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> like it was too hot it was i couldn't touch it physically 
Yeah. Should have cooked an egg on in your house, sir. I could have, honestly. Mm, so, but, in my egg. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all done. It's on the shelf. So, yeah, the video was actually doing it's one of my top trending videos at the moment. So, yeah. Hell yeah. There you go. Good deal, man. And that, you didn't, that came out not too long ago, too, huh? A couple of days. Uh, literally the last two days of the year. Yeah. Both, of, both videos, nice. build and base. Yeah. And funnily enough, you bought that during our first episode. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think I did it justice. <laughs> oh, you absolutely did. Oh, what the and... fuck? This thing. <laughs> I yes! It. I love it. So this is my this is my Horizon oh. Island armor. Oh, man. This is taking an M113 and turning it into a flamethrower tank in the most redneck engineered way possible. Love it. <laughs> yeah, them welds to hold, bud, I promise you. <laughs> uh so at the moment i'm waiting for a delivery uh, i've kind of stopped work at the moment because i've got to do some wiring in it before i can make the fuel tank inside it and whatnot so it's on hold at the moment i'm waiting for some flexible um led filament uh, to come in because then that's going to simulate uh flame coming out of the uh barrel so once That'll that comes nice. in event when that eventually turns up then i'll continue work on it but for the moment it just looks yeah this it's perfect <laughs> beautiful and yeah so that's all my whips oh that's me all right whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. uh so i've just got the one page here uh just steady work on the uh panther for um battle of the bulge group build uh and yeah i've put together and painted up the interior there uh not much to say looking realistic i don't know got the uh got the juice oh cabinet. yeah the juice cabinet oh, so i picked that up from uh value village for 11 bucks and what i'm planning on doing to it is like uh taking out those solid uh black shelves and putting in some new glass ones like i'm gonna get some glass ones cut at home depot and whatnot uh throw some leds in there just kind of make it just pimp out my shelf pretty much and it's got the nice glass like it opens at the top that's like a glass door that opens like a trap door kind of um so yeah you can look down and i'm gonna have some lights in there and hopefully there will be enough light to go all the way through with the glass shelves that I'll put in, but that's a little project as well. Bro, the Panther is looking amazing. I have no idea how you got the engine looking like that. Is it? It's amazing. It's uh, yeah. Thank you. I I made a engine appreciation post for that as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. How did that's you that? get that effect? How did I get that? Mm -hmm. Um, all right. What did I do here? Let me, let me pull the engine out real quick and look at it. Uh, okay. So the full thing was primed in black primer. Uh, I just used mission models acrylic. Uh, and then I went over in, uh, German gray and just kind of picked out highlights a bit. Uh, oh, okay. Just so 
there's like darker bits and lighter bits, but it's all still kind of black. Yeah. And then uh, I went in, well, the top is obviously white. That's just Vallejo white. Uh, and on the sides, I also did hull red and on the wires as well. So just to break up that black, just so it's not all one color. Right. Then I went in with some um, black enamels and some hull red enamels to just kind of blend them all together. And that's how I got the top looking all greasy and bold like that. And it it's good for building up like greasy spots because it's a dirty engine and all that. And then after that, I went in with some rust pigments and highlighted with that. And that's basically it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's very Thank well you. done, Jack. That's typically my approach to weathering these days. So there you go. Well, it's doing you good, so keep at it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's kind of heartbreaking, though. I spent all this time on the interior, and I'm going to have to seal it all up. And I don't... I'll just get some final shots. That's we'll true. That's true. Or something. Well, I did order some figures, but they're going to come in, like, February. Yeah. Oh, did you get them from the alley? I got them from the alley. <laughs> and it's I'll too late to get there. some... I was considering getting some alley LEDs uh maybe provide some light for the interior you can see the front seats and whatnot with the hatches open but uh too late for that now so we'll we'll see what it turns into and when when did you say you ordered this uh early december oh you'll get and you're soon. getting it and you're getting it when like end of january february Jack, trust me, you're going to get them a lot sooner than that. Yeah, Maybe. dude. We'll I, see. That's just what it's. I said. ordered. I ordered my figures that I got the other day, and they're supposed to be here January 22nd, and they're like already. They're almost in the United States already, so don't worry. Your shit will probably be there within the week. Don't give them false hope. Allie's pretty good at it, though. <laughs> And who's? Ooh, oh, this is Dennis. Oh God. Okay. Demon. So I had, oh. I had an eventful uh, since uh, time since our last recording. Uh, at work, I've been working on this uh, Oscar Sherman three, a British one. Just basically, all I've been doing is I've been painting the stowage right now, which was a piece of resin off of AliExpress. Uh, very very nice for you know the two bucks I paid for it. Um, and also, we had a customer who came in with this 8x8 man truck, and I basically just, yeah, painted up the cab for it, and there we are for that. Beautiful. What are the dogs cool. doing? They're in Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, eh? I saw four uh, two-seater F-16s flying, but must be 500 feet above the deck. Fuck yeah. So this is oh. the uh, last big Whoa. project of oh. my 22. Um, so this is the brand new to me at one to forty eight scale F thirty five A, and uh, yeah, so I built this. I used Beltrabit decals, which if you haven't heard of them, he basically does all the Canadian aircraft. Um, this one I've made sort of a fictional like aggressor because uh, the news broke uh, just after Christmas that we're getting sixteen of these. So we've finally broken down and actually committed to buy sixteen. 
um, which means that inevitably they'll go to the Blue Nose Squadron, at least at first, and then they might even use them as aggressors, which would be pretty cool. So I uh, painted it up to look a bit like a MIG, um, which is actually pretty cool because I took it into work, and one guy thought it was a MIG at first, which was, you know, right, I'm pretty happy about that. But yeah, the kit was fantastic. I made it uh, post wheels up, as I always do with my jets, and uh, yeah, it's... I, I strongly recommend it, even to people who like doing armor, like treat yourself because it is the best model kit I think they've ever made. It looks amazing. Can you have like the flaps dropped on it? You can. So you basically have the option to make them either up or down. Um, oh. The front slats can be built up or down. The uh, flaperons can be built up or down. Um, they give you the option for the shoot if you want that or not. And they give you, which this is shoot. pretty cool. Yeah, so this is a drogue shoot, and these right now only the uh, Danes have this. It's basically because the uh, this thing is so fast that when it's coming in the land, um, if you're on an Arctic airstrip, it would need a drogue shoot and an actual like uh, braking parachute to keep it from running off the runway. Um, inevitably, the Canadian F-35s will have this because we operate off of ice uh, airstrips made out of ice. So. The, the the Tamiya kit comes with the parachute so yeah so if you want to add the parachute you can you don't have to that is um, awesome it comes so basically they give you uh, options to build every single F35 that's currently in service so no matter what air force it's with if they are flying right now there are decals for it so i think that's like, freaking awesome normally with Tamiya they only give you like one or two color profiles but this one has 8 Jesus. Wow. Um, they give That's you two canopies. The canopies are pre-colored. Um, and each what? Spa- yes, they give you two of them. So what, basically the idea is you don't glue the canopy in and you can have them either a closed, like a closed canopy or you can have one that's open and you can actively swap them. Um, comes with masking awesome. stickers, all that. Uh, I'm trying to think. So one other cool thing. So you have the weapons bay here. This is all one piece. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Um, it's all one piece, and you basically have the option you can build it in beast mode, where it's just got all the ordnance on the wings and in the internal base. You can have it in air-to-air combat mode, where it's got two sidewinders, or you can build it in stealth mode, where you can put two JDMs and two AM-120s in here. Oh my god. Or you could build it as, like, absolute beast mode, where it's just, like, every conceivable hard point you want to use. And they give you that. They give you the options for that. There's, like, 12 different weapons in the kit. Holy! And how many sprues was it? Um, like six sprues in total. Wow! I saw it in person. It was barely a kit. Yeah, one thing cool thing about this is basically all the parts of the wings they don't actually tell you to glue them in. God damn! Like they just press fit in. (sighs) Are yours glued in? This kit so bad. I glue them in, but you don't have to. You can like swap out both flaps if you want. Like just hot swap them. Dude, that's fucking awesome. So I'm good on Tamiya. Straight up, I, I've always wanted to see this. Um, and I'll, I'll also shout out to Belcher Bits because like these decals just suited perfectly. Those decals are nice. Yeah. So next, I'll be doing a JASDF one, and that will be in beast mode. <laughs> Are uh, do you think Tamiya will continue? To go towards the direction of like the mask or the canopy they're talk they have there, or maybe go and have like 
pre-masked canopies? I think it's kind of an well, not pre-masked, but I think it's inevitable that they'll pre-cut the masks on the sheets, like they'll be indented. You just have to peel them off like normal stickers. That would be nice. I yeah, I think that's probably the direction they're going to go in right now. Because you still I would have build to build a lot more up. aircraft if they did that. Yeah, I agree. Same. Oh, <laughs> we're not. I, I this is what I did right before the podcast. Uh, this is uh, the discount weasel. It is crazy. <laughs> it's beautiful. That's it's still up. pretty well. And I will admit the interior is completely inaccurate, but that's okay because most of this will be actually hidden under a rain tarp, anyways. Why are you worried about accuracy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will say the driver's seat is from a Toyota Helix. That's funny. Fitting. Yes. Oh, there's going to be so many things going on here. I can't wait to see it. This is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> well, I figured, we'll just, since it's end of year, start of a new one, I figured we'll kind of do just a bit of a quick recap on our modeling 2022 year, considering... This is the first year of MMP, although we, t we did start in March. So we've got a little bit, little bit more before our first year anniversary, but I figured we'd just do a recap of the year, what we've worked on, what we liked, what we didn't like, and also just like sort of goals for this year, like uh, what you want to achieve or, you know, just work on, improve, stuff like that. So just figured just a quick recap and yeah. Nice. Oh, let's do it. All right, so uh, this is my little recap section. Uh, I have built 29 models in dioramas. Uh, 20 of them are finished, 9 are unfinished. I have two work in progress, uh, the 251 for the Battle of the Bulge and the Falkwolf. My favorite model I built this past year was the Tamiya M8 Greyhound. That was such a fun little build. Um, my least favorite build was definitely the Atlantis 148 scale long tom. That thing sucked. Never buying it again. I wouldn't even take it if it was free. It's just a trash ass <laughs> kit. <laughs> what would those um, gummy beer figures? Oh god, they were horrible. Uh, <laughs> and then here's some pictures. I wanted to pick my my favorite diorama to display, but. I, I've got two that just go back and forth. So the first one is the top three images. It's my push on Cherbourg diorama that showcases the Tamiya MA Greyhound. How um, long did you spend on that one again? For making the vehicle and the diorama, it took me nine weeks. Nine weeks, yeah. I, I remember I remember all the uh, whips from that one. Yeah, that shit took forever. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, beside and below that is one I made for a history professor. It's a, a June 6, 1944 uh, Normandy Bukage diorama. And it's got German infantry running down the road with American paratroopers behind a hedgerow. And then another one uh, killed in action up in a tree. And that nice. one, I, those were my favorite figures I did this year, hands down. I, those were such a blast to make and paint. Well, they're intricate uh, too. Yeah, dude, they, lots of little details going on. I, I'm so glad I found AliExpress because, <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's my little recap. It's been a really good year for me. Very nice. 
So my year, well, let's see. I I don't even know how many models I've built. Um, at the moment, I'm doing one work in progress, which is the uh, Toe Thirty Five. I'd say the best model I built was probably the uh, Tamiya One to Forty Eight Zero, just because I was able to spend a bit more time doing things like weathering it and whatnot. Um, I'm really happy with this uh, how this one came out. Uh, the favorite model I had was has to be the uh, Tamiya T Fifty Five. Really liked being able to work on you know three D printing parts for it and whatnot. Um, I have to say the worst model I made, the, uh, the Sabre test bed for the AK Super Chrome. That was, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I got to get that Super Chrome. I need it for my oh. F86. It's extremely fragile. Like if you put your finger on it, it will leave a fingerprint, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Can yeah. you varnish it? Uh, I would recommend the uh, water-based varnish. Mm, okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then just do, honorable I, mention to my Type 90, because that was yeah. fun. I do love the T55, because that also started Horizon. Yeah, oh, God, it damn well did. It started oh, the lifestyle. Man. Such a beautiful piece of armor. <laughs> and we pissed off so why. many people on... Um, Kitmaker. Like I remember yeah. like, there was one guy in Kitmaker who was saying, look, Des did an amazing job making an abandoned T-55, and I didn't have the heart to tell my brother in Christ, this is frontline duty. It's operational. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, this is, it's like, this is one of the good ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some of them are missing an entire, an entire road wheel. <laughs> Who's belching? <laughs> yeah, what was that? It was weird. <laughs> Boost that. So, when you edit it, boost that up. <laughs> so, uh, this is for me. Uh, so, models built this year. I managed to get through 15. Uh, current work in progress. Um, I had it as three, but I did a recount. It's actually four. Uh, so, my best best model built is a two-way tie between the Academy 132nd Sopwith Camel F1 and the Tacom 35th uh, Mark IV Tadpole. Kind of ironic this year, the two top best ones are World War One. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the worst one I built is that fucking Academy Faisler Stork. I hate that thing with a passion. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's just it fought all the way and the paint and everything to do with it. And I was so happy to put it up on the shelf. I might have flipped it off a couple of times every time I walked past it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, it'd be like that yeah so this year what i want to try and do is i might join ipms auckland not sure still wondering um hopefully i'm going to go to the uh, national comp uh, it's held in my city this year so then generally just want to improve on weathering i feel uh especially aircraft i'm not good at weathering aircraft and i want to try and practice it um so also want to try and do my youtube channel a bit more i kind of left it by the wayside from about mid-june i just kind of dropped it completely so yeah but now it's now i'm now i'm trying to revive it so hopefully and well, the main track for it. yeah and the main thing i want to try and do is i have my trumpeter su152 and I want to build and document it and write an article for a model magazine. So, because I used to do a lot of writing when I was younger, so I want to try and do that. 
Big goal, yeah, but a good goal. Yeah, it's a big one, but I might be able to manage it. <laughs> <laughs> Worth a try anyway. So, but yeah, otherwise, model wise, a pretty good year. Sweet right on. Sweet, yeah. Very nice. All right, here's me. Uh, I built 13 models this year. Um, a little on the low side, but I take a while. Uh, I've got, I've actually just got the one work in progress, the Battle of the Bulge, but two if you count that fucking cabinet. I don't know why I added that, but two, <laughs> two whips there. <laughs> well, wouldn't, wouldn't the Iltus be a whip as well? I guess so, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, get rid of the cabinet. That's the Iltus. Um, so I think it would be a crime if I didn't say the best model was the Turpets because I put 10 months into that thing. Um, yeah. Uh, and I would say it's also the worst model built because all the fucking photo etch and all that. But, um, I also built a Ravel Martyr, so that had to take the cake. That was, um... That was the first time I'd ever use an airbrush, actually. It didn't look too bad, but uh, I've learned a lot since then, and I've improved a lot since making that model. So, I don't know. It just shows progress, I guess. Uh, Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And so for 2023, I'd like to do more things and finish them sooner. Like, I can't be putting... 10 months into a Tirpitz. Uh I took a long time making that M3 as well, or M5. <laughs> so I want to try to just do more things, basically. Uh, 10 shows. Uh, I've got a museum connection that I haven't really closed yet. Uh, put myself out there more. And get that Iltis roadworthy. Weld that floor in, finally. Yeah, but overall, solid year. Lots of uh, lots of improvements. Lots of uh, lots of stuff going on. So that's been my twenty twenty two. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, cool. Um, so this year, I honestly. Don't know how many models I built. It was a pretty good year. Not enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I currently have four whips, a Matilda 1, a T-34, a Weasel, and an ADATS. And I think my best model of the year was that knocked out T-34-85 I did. Where the uh, hell did that one come from? Like, we just... just, just it's just these like, well, yeah. you, just went, you just went, I'll finish this. I'm like, what the fuck? It just appeared. God damn it. Okay, so that was an old T34 I made last year. And I just had it sitting around. So I decided to throw some new mud on it, give it another wash, and then build a base for it. And almost all of the stowage is scratch built. Jesus. Interesting. And there's my watermarked photo on the totally black background. Artistic, it looks very really artistic. Good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. 
And then the uh, worst model I think I built was a 1-100 scale Stug 3B from Zvezda. Even that one oh, was Oh, that thing was cool. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And then my goal for 2023 is just to get better in general. That's valid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Work on I mean, All right. Same, funny, same funny. the guy who's won goal. how many awards? Yeah. Uh, sure. Not Six. enough. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No, um, I think my second favorite build from this year was definitely the M51. That was cool. You spent a lot I lo- of time Yeah, I loved that one. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's or pretty the, cool. Or the Panzer one. That thing won a gold, <laughs> which is really funny, <laughs> considering I think how my, small it is. Uh, I'm going to be completely biased. My favorite uh, my favorite that you did is the Bob Simple. Bob Simple for me. Bob's yeah. my favorite. It yeah. says New Zealand on the plaque. Of course you like the Bob Simple. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> it was a fun kit to do. Definitely my least weathered out of any kit I've hey, done. Hey, sometimes you got you'll go a little light on the weathering. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you got yeah, to go, go a little less clean. Best. Yeah, yeah, and then at the very top there's the uh, TKS with the full interior. That thing was sweet. Thank you. It got a silver. You spent a long time on that as well, didn't you? I did. I still don't know how you can do that in one to one hundred. Thank you. It it was a challenge. That one was thirty five. I think. Where'd you get it again? The TKS. Yeah. Um, I actually bought it at ArmorCon the year before. What company is it by, or is it just some uh, like... IBG? I think. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So at ArmorCon, it won a silver. The S tank won a bronze. The M fifty one won a silver, and the Panzer one won a uh, gold, and so did the Bob Semple. Nice. Yeah, two golds, two silvers, one bronze. wasn't too bad. <laughs> wasn't too bad. <laughs> and in February, there's an art show at the high school, so I'm going to enter my T thirty four into it. Yeah, I just won an art show at my high school. Nice. Yeah, oh, yeah, you were I, saying with the T-62, right? Yeah, with the T-62. I never managed to get pictures of it, but when I bring it back home, I'll get some pictures and put it Sweet. on the Instagram and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, and I won, a, uh, I won a leopard out of that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Were there, were there any other models or just yours? No, it was just mine and one of the... Uh, one of the staff, like he's, uh, I think he's a grade nine history teacher. Uh, I, I never met him. I didn't know he existed, but he's an avid modeler as well. So he just gave me that from his stash because he thought I deserved to win. That's really cool. Send him yeah. the, uh, the Addy for the Discord. I yeah. will. No, next, next time I see him in, uh, I guess it'll be in uh, nine days history teachers are the best they are oh oh yeah i had a talk with him about uh about the clean vermuck theory he's he's cool he's cool he's not one of those wearaboos good 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 we don't like yeah no no we don't well then (laughs) (laughs) that was officially our longest episode yet 
Yes, I, I. It was good. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, that was fun. I apologize. <laughs> no, don't apologize, Kyle. It was interesting. Yeah, how dare you share your passion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, on that note, I mean, you've been listening to the Micro Machines podcast. If you've stayed all three hours with us, thank you. Thank you very You're much. A real G. We hope that you had an amazing 2022 and that you have an even better 2023, that you yes. build many models. And then you find some happiness in it. Alrighty, well, anyone got any announcements? Uh, just got the Battle of the Bulge group build. Was still still going on till the twenty fifth of January, I believe. So, still got plenty of time to build something and join it. You could win win a Pershing and thirty fifth scale. Um, there is the Patreon as well that I will be uploading some videos. Well, some yeah, some videos to it of. Various outtakes and oh, bloopers God. and jokes that weren't allowed on YouTube. So, <laughs> if you want to check that out, that will only cost you what three bucks a month. So you know, yeah, why not? Do we have any Patreon subscribers yet? <laughs> don't this is don't a, ask that. Don't ask me. We've hundreds. <laughs> no. Join <laughs> the, the large crew. Oh, oh dear! Oh, and um, regarding the battle of the bulge group build, I'm just I'm trying to battle my bulge right now. <laughs> I was just so. thinking that. Hey yo! Hey, yo. Uh, <laughs> and late. don't forget to join our Facebook page if you want. Uh, Instagram, no all of that. Yeah. No wearables. Uh, yes. Not next. Jack's no, over uh, here letting yeah. the intrusive thoughts in. That's what you do at the end of the show. <laughs> well we better end it Dennis yep. thank you so much for watching and or listening you have been listening to the Micro Machines podcast and we will return hopefully next week or whenever we have the time with an we won't be returning. subject no we're not returning we're, this is our last episode no this is the last episode actually yeah. we're breaking up <laughs> oh god <laughs> I'm, leaving. I'm, I'm leaving Ezra alrighty no bye, Dennis everyone. you can't leave <laughs> bye <laughs> Bye. See you. Bye.